0: Thank you for joining us for this official CNN town hall. So we're sitting here with uh, two uh, what you would call a uh, dungeon masters. Is that is that correct? Uh, I prefer to be called a game master. A game master, a GM rather than a DM. Yes. Is that a controversial take?
1: Nope. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's preference and then what uh, game you're playing. I know, what is it called, Cthulhu? You are a keeper. And, yes. And uh, vampire, you are the storyteller
0: uh that's true actually yeah you yeah, kind of fulfilled the he's rule right rule. right so, so it's, it's just, uh this is a this is a sort of town hall format except i'm not going to be doing like an official like interviewing of presidents like they do in other town halls so what what we're going to be doing here is talking about uh tabletop role-playing games and a particular role that is necessary for those to actually take place which is the uh you you called it the Game Master? Game Master. I was going to call it General Master, and I'm like, that's not right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just said it. How could you
0: forget it? it? (laughs) Because it's in one ear and out of the other, instantaneously. (laughs) That's the magic of podcasting. So anyway, uh, this is Alex Austin with Geek Official Podcast with us on the pod today. We
2: have... I'm going to go with something Rich gave me last time, which was Deadliest DM, Plebeon Adam. I know it's spicy, eh?
0: Wow, that really speaks to the first question on the list then.
1: (laughs) I love it I love it I am a geek movie house Coming all the way From Raised by Spoilers And uh, some of the other projects We're putting together For the new year Yes Hell yeah
0: Hell yeah So Raised by Spoilers Obviously sister podcast Of ours Sister or brother Or whatever podcast We'll take any of it
1: We don't, don't identify
0: So This is <laughs> <laughs> We tried to cram that into a particular oh, yeah. like a particular, I love it. Yeah, a particular space didn't work. All right. Well, so for anyone who's maybe unfamiliar, uh, we are going to discuss a lot today about tabletop RPGs in particular. We're going to be talking about uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, games like that that you guys will be most familiar with. I'm guessing those are probably your
1: big ones. Is that unless there's another one that you guys do? We play all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But mainly uh, D&D right now I think is the easiest because it is the popular, the most popular. Yeah. Right. Okay. You so. play TTRPGs or tabletop role-playing games? Oh, you mean D&D? And yeah. usually the hard answer is just
2: yes. You don't explain. You just go, oh, yeah, something like that. I don't know how many times I've had people go, oh, you play Dungeons and & Dragons. And I sit there and go, no, but sure. We're just going to go with that. <laughs> it's, it's a better
1: argument not to explain yourself. <laughs> and just be like, yeah, fuck, oh.
2: This yeah. Is,
0: then today is your opportunity to give them that long answer. And then from here on out, you just show them a QR code and have them scan it and take them to this episode of Running Fish <laughs> podcast. So congratulations.
1: All games are Nintendos. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that hit way closer to home than you might think
0: (laughs) to all of our moms
2: yes (laughs) there you go playing the nintendos that's right man so we're
0: (laughs) we're not talking about nintendo today however so for those in the know uh we're going to talk about these tabletop rpgs so i guess i have some questions then lined up here and uh, these questions come courtesy of what was
1: it adam did you put it together
2: Looks, no, uh, Plubby and Wife Amanda did.
1: Plubby and Wife Amanda. She did a great the job. I said herself threw it together. right? Eh? Yeah, she Good got some her.
2: questions from Discord. She got some questions from Twitters. And uh, she put them together in a nice little orderly fashion for us.
0: Wonderful. So if you're looking to come up with a deeper understanding of uh, of tabletop RPGs, this is a great opportunity to do just that. So I guess we'll start off with this. And, and how we'll do this roundtable is uh, you'll each have a, a, a chance to answer the question. And uh, and I can cut you off at any time and also tell you you're wrong.
1: Perfect. So that's, that's <laughs> where we're going. Through. So before you really start, just so you know, if you are playing D&D or a tabletop RPG and you are doing it, completely fine and it whatever you're doing at your table completely works for you fantastic yeah these are our own opinions these are different experiences me and adam have had uh nintendo geek is sitting in the room and she is one of our players uh but what what i will say is, is these are just things that we've come across or uh moments issues or things we've learned even damning yes. or playing the game and enjoying the game a lot of even my uh, opinions are opinions as a dm and not necessarily a player yeah where i'm seeing things on the other side or i'm enjoying things through the lens of a dm versus the player going that was fucking nail biting so if you are enjoying and playing the games the way you like to do that fucking right man keep going enjoy yes but if you are looking for any sort of tips advice or even just another dm to say hey you're doing a great job and you know that room that they didn't get to and you put hours of work into it was important and It'll it'll show up another time.
2: I think if there's any rule I give that basis is off that, is if you guys, you and your friend group are having fun, nothing else matters. Right,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and
2: so if you don't follow these philosophies, you don't agree with them, you don't agree with anything with you're saying, doesn't matter if you're having fun, you're doing it right.
0: This is a, a, a kind of a brilliant way to frame the conversation too because I, I think you're correct. Like in my understanding of of the GM's role is that you're the guarantor of fun, right? And if you're not presenting something that, that was ultimately fun for the players, why would they want to keep playing? So yeah, absolutely. I'm sure, sometimes it's gone that way. Maybe we'll cover some of that today. So I guess my first question uh, is... And maybe I'll direct this toward Adam first. So is character death an option in your campaigns? It's a must.
2: I can well, nearly <laughs> guarantee. I can nearly guarantee that over a long campaign, which are my campaigns usually run, um, I don't know how many sessions. Uh, maybe about, f- how many weeks are there in a year? 52? Fifty-two. 52. About 52 sessions, I'd say, if not more, because we basically usually end up doing it over two years um every two two weeks there's usually at least one death um Damn. and that's mostly because um a lot of my players love the combat mm. that's the that's the, the final fantasy tactics you've talked about you've talked about how much i love that my players are very similar to that a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them at least the, the main my main session and therefore the fear of death does one, does two things one, it creates stakes within the, the the world, the storytelling of the world. These heroes are heroes, and these adventures are adventures, and they're putting their lives in danger, and you need to show that. Mm. The other thing is, it usually creates story arcs. Somewhere, somehow, one of my players ends up making a story out of it, so right. it's usually worth it. Hmm. Cool. Hmm. Um, how often do characters die? How often? Oh, uh, sessions wise, characters or like uh, like PCs, like mm-hmm. player characters, I'd say one tops two in an entire campaign. Okay. What sort of things happen after they die? Um, usually there's an event that drives, uh, let's say that character died. And usually there's a side quest. Usually it produces some type of side mission about closure for that character. Okay. And then also opening for the next character. Okay. Um, that, that's usually how it turns out. And then usually that death, that event, that closure ties into something in the future. Somehow. That's interesting. Wait, okay. so
0: is that, so the closure sort of, you said mission or side quest, is that, is that something you've written or is that?
2: Uh, it sometimes it kind of comes and goes. Um, my my players are fairly advanced, and then there are uh, some of them want to tell their own stories. Even though they're players, they still like to tell their own stories because mm. the, they are DMs. Mm. They, they have DMs they like to tell their own. So what they'll do is they'll curate uh, what they want to do as the closing, kind of like you can think of it like the funeral yeah. for that character. Um, and I will assist and work with them on the DM and the, t- and the storytelling. And sometimes it involves combat. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a two or three session long side adventure. Sometimes it's just five minutes. It's just a quick role play moment. Just a quick role play okay. moment. But it's usually a mo. It's i. It's usually just a moment to inject to the other characters. And oh, now the stakes are real for these characters. And it there's a moment of oh, this is serious. Like mm-hmm. I get it. We're all giggles and drinking beer while we're playing this. But for the characters, this is serious. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Cool.
0: What is what is the actual like? Could it entail like you know? roll a one to 10 and you bury them in like a pine box and then no a 11 to-
2: <laughs> no usually the players, <laughs> mechanic around it no i don't usually do a mechanic unless there is some type of greater event okay if it's just a role play moment i let the characters come out and I, those are moments where those little bit of role plays that don't always come out the little character stories don't always come out the table because you're drinking beer you're having a good time um these are moments these are times where those get to come out Mm-hmm. Uh, is, and that's all
0: it is. Is there any is there any instances you could think of that you've experienced, or maybe Rich that you've experienced where like a character who has died has tried to manifest something else, like, oh, I'm gonna do this thing in death, or I'm gonna haunt you in death, or something oh, like that. Oh, for sure.
2: I've had entire characters return oh, um, no out of death and they've completely changed. Uh just Rob yeah, he died to an eldritch god. An eldritch god somehow got him um through some weird mechanics. Yeah. And, um, basically his character came back, like Rob had to go away for a little bit for work or whatever. And he came back a few sessions later, his character was just alive okay. and no one understood why. And he just kept going. There was story arc in the background. It all got played out. But we always find a way. Like, there's, yeah. the, you know, the, you always make sure you make a story out of it. Yeah,
0: that's did, the key. Did he know why his character was still alive?
2: Yeah, he, he's the one who invented it. Oh, he created okay. the reason okay. and said, Adam, this is what I'd like to do. And I said, fucking, let's do this.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So it presents the idea to you as the GM. You say, yay,
2: nay, and then move on from there. Generally, I say, yay, because you, you don't say no to this kind of stuff. Right, wow, it's pretty cool, though. I'm curious, though. Rich's numbers. Well, what are your numbers like? <laughs> your kill count? <laughs>
1: so, okay. So let me start first by saying, uh, normally, I run uh, a little bit of a different style of game than you. I run a little bit of a, it's a thing called Westmarch. Okay. Which in your players are kind of detecting uh, what they want to do as they quest out. Because I play a little bit more of an open world setting. Okay. Um, for me, death happens in my campaigns. Uh, it is fucking brutal when Ooh. it happens. Uh, so what happens, to give the, the assumption, we wrapped up uh, recently a four year long story arc four-year campaign. Yeah. Uh, one to 16. Yeah. Um, from there, we are in season two
2: now. Mm-hmm. They're at level three. And now, is this campaign including the season? So you'll have, like, over the two years, you'll have multiple seasons? No, no, no. This is season one is so, four years. Holy fuck.
1: One one season is four years. Oh, you go wild. Yeah, we go real deep. Um, and the thing is, is to start, in the, the beginning, it kind of hurts. It sucks. Uh, but what the, normally happens Once a character dies, that player is out for, like, the week. They miss a session. Hmm. So it doesn't matter where they are, Hmm. what's happening in the story, all of a sudden there's a hole in your party. You don't have a healer. You don't have your tank. You don't have your barbarian. And I apologize. And I go, hey, man, I'm so sorry. You got a week. You give me a week as a DM to figure out how I'm going to introduce you, and we have a week extra to work together to build out a character, Hmm. or no matter what level they are, Mm -hmm. to figure out, role-play, where they're coming from, any of that, to introduce them into the story. Because you wouldn't just turn a corner realistically in a crypt that's been sealed for thousands of years and find somebody two hallways ahead of you. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Right?
1: They would be following behind. So as soon as they're in a dungeon or the middle of a desert or something, you're fucked.
2: Hmm. So you almost give them a moment to sit there and go, fuck, that guy was important. We didn't like
1: him, but we needed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... That's when we get our funeral. That's when we get our moment of we're going to loot the body. We're going to cuz he might have magic items or they and might you have, need it. You're an we, adventurer. You <laughs> need that shit. We're out we're, we're, we're up a creek without a paddle and we're down a bo- party member. Yeah, Um <laughs> is there like a uh role for poke with the
0: stick? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, Is he dead though? Um, it's called a medicine or heal check.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we've we've had um a couple deaths. We've had uh especially within the story arc itself um you mentioned haunting a player. Yeah. Coming back, we actually had a uh, Nintendo Geeks character. Um, she was in the desert and they did... The sand would kick up from this desert and it would make you hallucinate. Oh. So you would roll a dice, but a character just died. So what I told everybody in the beginning of the session, because they did not know that uh, the player wasn't going to make it. He was busy. He told everybody, hey, uh, my character died. I'm not going to make it to DD this mm-hmm. week. We're going to go... Just keep
2: moving the story, hmm.
1: right? I'll so he told up.
2: just the DMs, just, just you. The
1: players, I'm not going to make it this week. <laughs> I texted him because he texted me back saying, Hey, uh, my thing got canceled. I'm going to show up. Uh-huh. And I, uh, no, you're not. And he goes, What do you mean? And I go, You're fucking not going to show up. So what happened was Amanda's character gets hallucinogenic sand. They're going through the body. I am sitting with my phone and we're playing out the scene and we're, we're building up all this tension. And then it's this funeral and it's super sad. And everyone's kind of going through his stuff. There's letters from his past and all the shit. And they're starting to put together pieces of his backstory while he's dead. Hmm. And then he logs in. And Amanda now, Amanda's character, because she's hallucinating from the sand, is the only one that can see him (laughs) because he's in a hallucination. And he's the ghost of this character talking shit because we play over Zoom because of the pandemic and stuff, right? We moved our games from at the table to online. So everyone's having a fucking laugh because they're like, holy shit. And she's at this moment, the only one who can talk to him. Oh, that's funny. Right. So that for that one session, because he could make it, he couldn't help. He couldn't do anything. But the player could kind of go, hey, you're doing it wrong. Wait, was he just chatting with you? Yeah like private chat or something? No.
3: No, like over Zoom so like everybody could hear what he was saying. Oh. Everyone could hear what he was saying. That I could hear him and yeah. talk to him, but what happened was he got eaten by a purple worm in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> Sounds familiar. And I was I also got eaten, but I couldn't reach him to save him. Oh. And they kept like they would bu- like not bully me, but my whole thing was I like, killed accidentally a horse and then it's it haunted me <laughs> the entire game until this game yeah. still. The horse jokes just, you know.
0: Are are you still the same character?
3: No, no. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, he's like, he's on my shoulder being like, well, you know, you, you probably killed me on purpose. (laughs) and I'm like I'm freaking out on this like uh, hallucinant and I'm like I didn't I tried to save you like I tried
1: so to be fair we had an hour long funeral of just somber sad moments of role play back and forth and all of a sudden he shows up and it's like hey it's sadness and comedy you gotta balance the game that That way it's not I find that
2: and I I think that's a huge struggle especially in my sessions it's really hard in with my Saturday group to have a sad moment because they are just a bunch of guys on a Saturday drinking and having snacks. So it's really really difficult for them to sit down and have a serious moment because they're not. They're like, listen, I work every day. I don't want to sit down and have a sad Saturday. I want to be having a Saturday morning cartoon.
1: <laughs> I had it where Amanda's character first character died, hmm. and we fucking called the session early. Oh, and they were like, I like she she falls, dies, splat. <laughs> and then they're like Jesus. fuck.
3: It was like the third session. It
1: got really oh, real. My god. It got really real. And then that moment cuz we're, you know, the thing is is the way I introduce everything, they're not friends. Okay, at all. You, you all don't know each other, but you are connected and brought together and you then go on this sort of weird hobspodge journey and grow as players and become friends. Hmm. Cuz you're perfect you're random fucking strangers, hmm. right? So all of a sudden, Amanda's character falls to her death, completely fucking wipes. And then everybody at the table just had a somber moment of like, "Oh fuck." Like, not only like, oh the DM killed his DM, the girl the girlfriend or whatever, but just like, you're all fucking brutal. <laughs> like, that was the thing, that was the thing I told everybody in the desert, and I'm going to get back to the DM, the Amanda's character falling to her death, but I told everybody at the start of the game, "Hey everyone, we're just near the end of this campaign." We had like another fucking year of campaigning. We're just at the end of the year of this campaign. You all need to fucking start playing better. You need to start rolling better. You need to play, start being smarter at this game. Kel is out. Dude, I'm not... This even player even- is gone. He is not coming back. <laughs> if you die you're out and the party gets fucking smaller and smaller we're in the middle of the desert and you guys might not make it so you all need to take this a lot more fucking seriously and then they're like oh god i know he's gonna show up to shit talk her and i'm just riling people up and at this point the players now are mad and i'm like there we go that's what i need this is
3: also middle of the lockdown
1: yeah, everyone's so tensions are, everyone's everyone's just tensions are high. already
3: and he's like sparkling, like more fire <laughs> onto the. <laughs> face.
1: So we had Amanda's character falls to her death. We wrap up the session early, like yeah. we only played like two hours. Yeah, and we were normally going for longer everyone's sessions. Emotionally, drained. everyone's emotionally drained. The next session we come back, they all sit down. Amanda's got Amanda. Did, I don't think you played, or you didn't. Your character didn't show up till the end of the game, and everyone was kind of like, "Well, we bury her in the Feywild." And this does not happen again. Oh, this does not happen. And then all of a sudden it clicked and it yeah. was the Kenobi, it was the Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, I'm gonna definitely heal you guys. Okay, I'm gonna definitely like, we need to work together to escape, to escape. Yeah. Because yeah. if we don't escape this fucking Feywild, we're trapped here and we're all gonna start dying. Yeah, yeah. And that clicked in and they were all like, okay, yep, boom, boom, boom. You're good at this, let's, let's work together. And they were awful and they were terrible players bouncing off each other because they're like first time and they don't know what big spells or what to do and they're picking wrong stuff but they were communicating yeah and they're really fucking working now like okay this is not like this is fun fairy world and like combat happens but when players die out of combat because they're failing rolls and it's not oh i rolled bad and uh the the monster killed me it's i'm the world itself is very dangerous yeah the last death that we really had um we had two deaths. We have two more deaths that were good. Uh, our cleric was possessed, mm. came oh, back yeah. as a villain. Oh yeah! So I mean, he got, got he put the war he got the Warduke helmet, which was a magic, a cursed item that went on this character's head. His character got struck by lightning, and they were getting visions and seeing this dude show up, and his his body was just fucking mutilated and super buffed out, which was kind of similar, but he had the tattoos, the same tattoos of his character. And this huge lightning burn across oh. his body. And he had this fucking huge blue helmet with the bat wings and the yeah. red glowing eyes. And he just started butchering people and players. And they're like, oh, fuck, until they finally rip the head helmet off. And it's the, the guy and his eyes are all white. Damn. And it's like, oh, <laughs> fuck, it's Lucifron. Oh, fuck, it's this guy. Like, it's our buddy. And yeah. we have to kill him. And luckily, the player that, uh, that lost his character killed his old character. Oh, cool, cool, cool. That was the loop of like, that's your story arc.
2: See, that's, Damn, that's right? what's so important Damn. about death. That's why I find <laughs> death fucking is... fucking like, go!
1: We I, ha- Sorry, go ahead.
2: I, I can see, like, to me, that's why death is so important is it is another asset of storytelling. Yeah, but yeah. at this
1: point, fucking people are upset. People are crying. I've had, yeah, we've had a lot of jumps. We've had a lot of laughs, but we have had end of session fucking tears. Yeah. We've had did. people just wrecked. Uh, the other one, the really, really heart-wrenching one was the last thing that happened in the campaign. A player died in uh, the, fe- the Barovia mm-hmm. in a, a domain of dread, which yep. is just like its own little thing. And your soul doesn't usually escape there. And your soul doesn't escape. Mm-mm. But it did. And they, were, they had extra time. And the important thing here, ladies and gentlemen, right here, I'm going to say this. We're going to highlight it. Is I talked to my player about this on the side mm-hmm. saying, hey, my guy you're not gonna die you don't get death saves anymore you just pop back up Mm -hmm. And he's like what does that mean i'm like are you like and i talked to my players and i said hey are you okay because eventually i'm gonna have to take your character away and he says yeah no problem but thank you for reaching out and we had a little bit of back and forth what was gonna happen what was the thing so we went this big overarching story and we had this big fucking avengers moment where they went and they fought the bat the evil wizard and this Huge dragon and all the fucking shit hit the fan. Hell yeah. And they won. And everyone is high fiving. And people are fucking cheer. Like my players are stoked, standing, rolling dice, yelling. And we're on Zoom. These people are in like their own homes. (laughs) My my one buddy's girlfriend came over to eat dinner and they're like, What the fuck are you doing? And it was the climactic moment, and everyone's chill, chill like the dust is settling. And then he starts the one character starts to fade. Like they hug him. Hey, we did it. We won. And then I will never forget the sound. One of my players went, what do you mean we won? What do you mean he has to go?
2: (laughs) And she starts sobbing. And then it's like, fuck,
1: and I'm choked up. And I'm like, this is what happened. And he knows it's coming. And he's (laughs) like, like just fucking, everybody's crying. And we're trying to do like the, hey, you won, you did it. damn, But you lost as well. Because you didn't solve, you didn't fix this problem. And he's out of time. Yes, Damn. and he fades. He fucking Spider Man. He's Spider Man. Yo, Mister Stark, I don't want to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. Then he's everybody's crying. Damn, and it's like, oh. and that's how we like ended it. And it's like that's that was, awesome. And that was just the wrap up. And then we just kind of kept moving and going for forward and stuff. That's a good wrap. So he just kind of got up and left.
0: What? And he sat
1: in another chair and watched the fucking scene and everything play out. And everyone's fucking in tears. Like, oh yeah, man.
0: But, i mean that's what you gotta do but i love that you guys have used find ways to use death in in your campaigns as a way to give like a more fulfilling experience a more complete experience than maybe they would have otherwise gotten you yeah know? so it's 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 extremely cool because if you've invested that amount of time into a campaign and yeah. that amount of time into something i mean it, it to feel something like that coming out of it is pretty damn cool yeah like it's it's even more visceral than a, than a movie or something yeah. right
1: yeah and that's the thing when you 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 buy in and you get the people invested enough, especially with their characters and stuff. They don't, they, these are friends. These are people they've spent yeah. hundreds of hours yeah. with. This isn't just Bob, the, the world, like this isn't Bob, the barbarian
2: this is this person and they have spent so much time and there's been the back and forth of it. You've been there with the work in. Yeah. And usually by this point, you've been there with that character through their side. quest. I call it their side quest where it's like, you've told a story about that character. So that you've helped them with the divorce. You've helped them with moving. You've, you've helped them with their family members dying. And now it's this and you're like, Oh wow. We've been through a lot. Yeah. There's a lot.
1: Yeah. And it kind of closes a chapter in that person's story. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Anyway,
2: Wild, wow. death so, happens. Actually, I'm, I'm glad we started
0: with that one. That, that's, that's a loaded fucking topic for roleplay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> man, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Hey everybody, uh your character can totally step on a rake and die. Yeah, it's D D. <laughs> it doesn't always have to be this big, epic, poetic movie <laughs> ending. It happens. I mean, we've had one of the care one of the players opens the fucking door and he pulls the short straw and he gets beholdered, just yes. zapped dead. And then he's like, "Well, fuck." We had one set off a trap <laughs> and, and hap- just—it happens.
2: Yeah, we had one just set off a trap and a bunch of rocks fell on them. Yep, that was it. That was their death. And you're like, "Well, that was anticlimactic." It, it <laughs>
1: happens, and then, I think Jesus. that's the—I the, think that's the parallel from high lo- higher-level play because higher-level play, your characters don't normally die. They have yeah. a fix. They have something. They have the a trick up their sleeve. Yeah. Lower-level play oh. is a slower game of D and D. Is a much more meticulous game of D and D, and that's where players more tend to see to death by traps yeah. Inst- yeah like petrification fucking it's more um,
2: instantaneous because you don't have a backup death. it's it's more unexpected gotcha. I guess you could say yeah gotcha wild
0: that's yeah. interesting uh, so along the same lines then uh, TPK that's along the same lines
2: Rich do you want to take this one first so yeah I'll take is, this one first how, how do you handle
1: a TPK okay so I have never had a TPK
2: I was going to say the same thing
1: I've <laughs> never had a TPK but okay well, what is TPK first total time? party kill there you, you go you wipe the entire group yeah usually all in like usually one session, like real back to back, like one combat in like, like like think final fantasy when you're about to fight. And then every, all of a sudden the big monster comes up and you don't have any potions left and you're completely out of spells and you get wiped. Oh yeah. And you're like, Oh fuck, I got to reload my save. The difference is the save is four years of math homework.
3: So you don't get to reload. You don't get to reload the save. So people are mad when
1: a TPK happens. I've never had a TPK. Me neither. But what I have had happen. Is this is how we started our first campaign, a uh, second campaign.
0: Wait, wait, before you tell that story though, would you say then that the TPK is the having or not having one is the hallmark of a great dungeon master or not? No, like, no. Just it a, just
1: means you uh predicted the combat encounter okay. and you did the math and the homework close enough. Okay. Because gotcha. the thing gotcha. is, is for uh D D particularly, Pathfinder pretty much runs the same way. Yeah. there is a monster. Yep. Let's say a goblin. Yep. Goblin is one third, one half. Right. Yep. So you normally take the party's level and times it by eight or whatever mm-hmm. and you get your challenge rating. Yeah. And then which case you say, Okay, if there's four people in the group, you stick six goblins against them. Yeah. Or so or three goblins against them. Mm-hmm. Right. And that means they should be able to fight and win. Yeah. But if you do the math wrong or
2: worse, the player's dice just aren't hot that night.
1: Yeah. It can happen. Mm.
2: And there's also more complexities where you don't quite take into account where the monster CR is this, but you don't realize that the environment they're in increases the difficulty to the players and you don't take that into account. Or the
1: magic item that they're carrying. Or the weird little nitty-gritty shit. The thing is, though, normally in D&D, especially 5th edition, the monsters aren't necessarily strong enough. They don't hit hard enough. Okay. So you get to a certain point where you start throwing, okay, a bad guy. Well, we've got an orc chieftain. Yeah. Big, scary motherfucker. And he's got eight goblins with him because he's got his boys mm. they roll in we're gonna yeah. go and we're gonna kill them well guess what that is four party members that can shoot a bow and arrow or cast a spell once mm. so that's four attacks right and that's just usually the level now we've got the orc who can hit twice mm-hmm. and we've got eight goblins shooting arrows yeah so all of a sudden that's nine oh. attacks versus the four attacks yeah the math is fucked yeah. And they're going to die unless they play it smart. Yeah. And that's a that's a completely different style of D&D, in which case your players almost need to not rush in. But m- most of the time, depending on the group you have, and this is where you know your players and you as a dungeon master have to entirely read the room, mm-hmm. will either say, fuck it, we have to sneak in. Mm. We're not going to rush in and just stab. Right. Yeah. We
2: got we got to think this through cuz we're outnumbered. This yeah. is every different this is why tables are so different from table to table to table.
1: Cuz there's people who play D&D and there's very little combat. Yeah. They want to talk in silly voices, they want the Shakespeare stuff yeah, yeah. and they want a character background and role play. There's some D&D games where fucking no dice come out. I've ran a have ran sessions where we don't roll dice. Yeah, I've done that before. Where it's just like it's rare uh, but it yeah, does it's happen. Super rare, but it's also like well, we got a lot of work but done there's and no, we learn, there's no combat though. There's very little combat. Yep. cuz it doesn't have to be in every game, right? Sometimes you can just be walking down the street and shopping. Yeah. Right? You could be we the the adventure today is we are in a giant mage's library. It's abandoned. Oh. We don't know what's going to happen. Oh, cool. Right? Just weird stuff yeah. happens. So you've
2: avoided TPKs through and I I'm I mean, it sounds like I'm in the same boat as you, so I'm kind of bouncing what I think um, through careful play because not that you're you're never intending for a TPK basically. Oh no, I'm attending for a TPK. So you're, you're the kind of the DM you're like, no, I'm going to fairly fight them, but I want them to fucking die. So normally uh, we have <laughs> oh, anywhere damn. from six to eight players. Oh wow. That's so every, every that's one a rough session, every
1: session is a TPK. I set up a TPK every session
2: Yeah, and
1: they beat it. See that. And what happens yeah. for, uh, for me, what normally happens if it gets, goes sideways. And this is where my second campaign started. Season two started for us. Was it was a TPK, but what happened was, is they all woke up in jail cells. Hmm. They weren't murdered. They were then captured and sold off. Yep. And now, instead of it being the TPK, end of the story, it's, oh, fuck, our weapons are gone. We have the new, the next chapter.
2: But that is uh, a form of handling a TPK. Yes. That is a TPK. Yeah, that's in my how mind, I handle TPK As a DM, that, to me, is a TPK. Yeah. Because most of my players, if I do that to my players, I've never had to do that to my players. I've had it done to me. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been a player in a TPK like that, and that's right. what he did. Um, but my most of my players have been experienced enough that, you know, none of them are less than a decade at this point of right. playing the game. And they all identify that. So it's hard for me to pull that off without them going, oh, you're just... They They would rather, in my world, if I pull that off, they would go, no, Adam, they, they feel cheated. They feel like, no, no, we deserve that TPA. Don't get us out of this. Uh, see, for me, it was story-wise. Yeah. Because without killing
1: a player and having the Martyr or the Obi-Wan Kenobi situation, now they are all united because they're now hunting the guy that fucking tpk'd them yes to be like yo there's a guy who's slave trading this is what he looks like we're fucking after him yeah so now instead of having them escape the feywild they have united not necessarily for a revenge mission but to stop the guy from doing more crimes
2: yeah they discovered what really what's going on right mission of
1: justice that makes sense
0: that's very cool that's amazing man so i i again another another sort of topic that i would think is like you know, somebody who doesn't know a lot about it is kind of maybe like one dimensional. Either you do it or you don't do it. But here's another way that you guys have utilized it as a tool to help convey the story in a, in a very different way. So that's that's awesome. That's very
1: cool. Granted, I won't be able to do that again till probably season three. Yeah, right. That that is that's the one trick pony. It happened once, unless yeah. they get stomped and bu- they wake up in Bullywug cages, or they wake up in like captured by Drow because of poison and stuff. Yeah, it's relatively rare. And that way, in, in those moments, in a weird sort of sense, they almost feel like cutscenes. Yeah. But that's okay. And my okay. players kind of like are in for it because of story narrative. Yes. Right. They don't necessarily feel cheated because they also, in the back of their mind, I want to say exhale going, thank God I don't have to make a new fucking character. <laughs> like, oh, thank God I don't. I have shit going on this weekend and I he's going to ask me Saturday morning for stats yeah. and stuff. Because I have a bunch of shit on back end I have Mm. to do. But if it's a TPK, it sucks, right? Like, that's not fun. If
0: someone does have to create a new character to get back into the campaign somehow, do you, like grant them a few extra levels to keep them closer to, like, the party level? Yeah,
1: I normally don't stagnate the levels. Everybody's on the same level.
2: Yeah, any other way. That's an old-school mentality. Yeah, I don't think anyone does that anymore. Because it's a dick move. It's a dick move.
1: Well, yeah.
0: No one likes
2: to be that guy two levels behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Interesting. And you're here to have fun. Ultimately, you're here to have fun. So, no. um, I don't think... Anyone would do that. Don't do it. The <laughs> so week
1: out of D&D is pretty much my only homebrew rule for that. Yeah. Um, I do uh, do a thing. There's a spell called Revivify. Yeah. Right, which which you can use uh, some diamonds as a spell component. Yeah. And as long as it's within a minute, you can cast the spell and you can bring the person back to life. Oh, right? cool. Um Revivify has a cost, though. So the person who is coming back to life in my games, roll a, uh, roll a D20, and it's with their spell modifier... And that number goes up. Yes. Because the gods don't like you cheating death. So the first one's free. Oh, okay. second one, it goes from 10 to 11. Okay. 10, 12. Like y- if you have to get revivified yeah. to 22 or whatever, my guy, you ain't playing the game right. Yeah. We,
2: <laughs> we did that during a, we recently did an adventure that was based around like Eldritch gods okay. and very called strange eons. Cool. And, um, instead of my DM, instead of, um, paying costs for reviving or something like that i forget the exact rule basically every time you went down you came up with an insanity okay every single time by the end of it and he was killing like he was being he's like listen i know that my players are not gonna die as often like death is not as permanent in this one but here's the deal you're all gonna build up insanity so by the end of it we each had like our characters were crazy people. oh (laughs) fucking wild i I, what i would do is i would just Always create characters who I would like to see
0: die. So, like, I'd be like, okay, so I'm I'm a man, I'm a bard, I'm from the city, I'm also a merchant, and I'm an incel. And then, like, if you end up killing him, it's like, well, he was an incel. Who really gives a shit?
1: You're right. <laughs> but the other thing, though, is you got to remember, it's not just you; it's the three other people, it's the five other people you're playing yes. with. Uh, that's true. Where that incel might be great for the first ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. But if you play as Big Dick Johnny, <laughs> and then all of a sudden your Big Dick Johnny for some reason lives. <laughs> And you're stuck with that, yes. and you have to talk in the silly voice for Big Dick Johnny for the next <laughs> nine weeks of that little session or that one shot or whatever, Yeah, yeah. you're going to get exhausted, yeah, and your yeah. friends are going to be like, hey, my guys, just don't come to the next one. Well, the reason
0: <laughs> the reason why the ladies don't like me is because I'm too masculine right. for them. Like, I have to play that character forever? Oh, my God. Right, because at some point, though, <laughs> no, no, it would
1: be hilarious, but then, then your character growth there is... Why, is, why am I having a hard time everywhere? Yeah. What the fuck is going yeah, on, yeah, right? Because yeah. you're going to just naturally run into either the world pushing back yeah, yeah. or the players being like, hey, man, i am had enough of your fucking shit. Like, yeah, yeah. And then you don't necessarily have table fighting, but toes might get stepped on. Gotcha. Right? And then that's where you got to kind of find skate the PVP. Personally, yeah. for you, I want to ask um, player versus player because I let it happen i let it happen where player versus player and like air that fucking laundry out go to the arena or get into a bar fight and like say some shitty stuff and then realize you need dude, each other and apologize
0: emperor palpatine
1: dude I, I can see you I, leaning back just like yes yeah, as i have for
0: guess seven. what if the players
2: are talking i don't have to run the game they're <laughs> living the world it very much depends for pvp i'm very careful with it um my general rule, and this is a general rule. There's always the rule of cool. And there's general always rule, everyone. Yeah, general. Uh, it's admiral rule. Um, is They're
0: saluting, by the way. This yeah, is the yeah. video. They're saluting one another and saying this. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
2: is no. I do not do it. Mostly because if you have two players that have opposing opinions, yeah, right? And you're like, okay, well, you need to write roll dice to decide your opinions generally what happens is no one wins in that regard oh no um everyone gets upset and it doesn't work out and, and i don't mean the players get upset I, I don't mean the characters get upset the players get upset that's the difference it's got to be character but a lot of people take their characters and make it personalized oh yeah so it's a struggle to do that so i usually say no yeah. i have absolutely had pvp but usually when that no every time that has happened unless i consider it a failure of my own dming and i'm not managing it correctly it's been a communal, I don't care what the response is. I I we recognize the players don't care. Yeah. And therefore the characters can do what the characters do. We've confirmed the players, everything's okay. So it's almost like friendly in-game combat. And then they come back and go, okay, it's almost like deciding where this the role play is gonna go through this through this thing, but it's shared by the players. I need to make sure of that. I always am very careful that the answer is no until both players go no no adam i want to do this
1: yeah and there's a smile they're looking at each other like calling each other names but there's a smile to it and they're okay and it's not going to a point where it's hurtful or too far i feel like that also falls in your safety net and your safety categories of yes uh, the session zero which is the most important part of the fucking game yes to set up to say everybody hey uh before we even roll dice and before characters are made are you okay with this? Are you yeah. okay with that? Are you okay with blood, spiders, fucking uh. any of that? Like, where are your hard stops? Where are your, your, where are your red, yellow, and greens? Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing, right? And that, initially, you sit down, you get drinks with everybody, you sit down. Usually what I do um, is you would tell everyone kind of like, hey, we know there's no rape in my world. Okay. There's no raping and pillaging. Okay. Right? Good. Uh, we do have sex, but it always fades to black. Yeah, we don't ever it's not like to penetrate. Yeah, no no there's, that. No, but we've had ro- we've had romances. Is that a thing somewhere? We've had romances on our fucking game. Yeah, there's a lot. There's old school D&D was like go to the brothel and like there's tables of girls and it's like what the fuck, right? And you're rolling yeah. when I say tables, I mean like rolling tables of oh, like number generated God. nonsense. Guy and TSR company was a little different back in the day. But <laughs> yeah, you you, know, you read the room and you feel everybody out with what everyone's comfortable with. And the thing is is usually you check back in not right before something, you know something's going to yeah, come yeah. up, but you kind of check in and say, hey, how's, how's everybody doing? What's the kind of vibe? Uh, the other thing is, is I'll do interviews mm. with the player, but also the character.
0: Interesting. Private. also show you how prepared they are as the character?
1: A little bit. Yeah. I usually ask the Ws of like, who are you? Where are you from? Why, Why are you adventuring? Yeah, What's yeah. going on kind of thing to flesh out a backstory. And usually those simple, simple questions, even if a player has one sentence and they don't really know you start asking those questions and they want to talk about their character. They get excited. Their face lights up. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to find out about the cookies his uncle baked. Hmm. And I go, he's got an uncle and I can't wait to kill him. Uh, Hi. no, no Family uh, member, dead. No, but you <laughs> know what I
0: mean? You find out like... He's writing it in the anti-uncle uh, campaign. Totally yeah, true.
2: But for real, you kind of feel like... Don't I'm, ever tell your DMs you, you have a family relationship as that character. Don't ever no, tell your DM. You
1: absolute fucking psychopath.
0: No, but for real, because
2: you have to build tension and story. Yeah. And you have to have consequences <laughs> and bad stuff.
0: First, and, what are your first thoughts? Of, like, how do I kill him? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, seriously. The what W's... bad
2: things could happen to this
1: character? What bad things have already happened? Yes. Why are you out here? Why are you an adventurer? We had a character who ran from home because he didn't want to be... the Son of a Duke, you know,
0: and he it's, didn't want to accept my no 17 children.
2: <laughs> I want to tell you a very short story. So, a lot of my, my players, we don't uh, my, my, on my Saturday sessions because yeah. they're pretty much the only sessions I do nowadays. Um, we don't do a session zero because my players have been at this for we've been playing the same camp, not the same campaign, but we played multiple campaigns. We're always the same people, so we've known for years what we can and can't do. Yes. We've done we've had that session zero years ago, yeah, and nothing's really changed. We communicate regularly. You'd be surprised though, you should. I mean it's important. You have to realize we communicate yeah. on a regular basis. So we always yeah. we always know and we're very open. Yeah. So we don't really have to do that. But every once in a while, um someone will build a character and we we, we learn to adjust. Like the first session's usually a little weird with our characters if mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out how to make them work. We had one character where after like three or four sessions. It kind of came up like, why are you adventuring? Like this, the, yeah, what the, the player you doing just here? was evolving this character yeah. as you, because you know how you evolve yeah. it past the the writing down and at the table it changes, right? Of course. And he's evolving this character, and at some point he goes, "Why is this character adventuring?" Mm-hmm fuck it, he's gonna go home. He's made his money. He's made his money, he's going home. And he's just, I'm like, what? He's like, I'm gonna go make another character. I have no, I cannot think of a reason why this character would stay doing this adventure.
1: We've had that happen as well. Uh, They stick around just for good faith for a practice of it. And then, uh, yeah, they either exit or that character retires. And it's odd for uh, heroes to retire, especially adventurers. Yeah. uh, Because they normally die. They keep chasing that tale. But yeah, uh, the other thing, I don't know. You gotta gotta touch in... uh, for me, different themes and different ca- campaign settings. Yes. Like right now, in the beginning, it was just like, hey, here's just the gener- general, generic painting with a broad brush. We're not trying to step on each other's feet. We're trying to be very relatively uh, kosher. We're not going to have rape. We're not going to have this. We're not going to have that. Everyone kind of went, totally cool. If something happens, we're adults. We can put our hand up and say, hey, man, that, like you're going too fucking far yeah. with us. Yeah, yeah. Season two, we have racism and religious Nazis. Mm. And like it's a lot more brutal. Like actual earth, like actual, like, actual, uh, actual <laughs> earth and stuff like that. Right. I won't get into the world, the lore or the world building or any of that. Cause nobody cares, but um, it's important to kind of touch base saying, Hey, you're playing a dark elf. You're going to have a hard time because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah are you down still? And they go, fuck yeah, sign me up, but I'm going to have to role play the shit out of that.
2: Yeah. I guess we don't do like a session zero where we get together and talk about that. What happens is I guess you could say I do one-on-one session zeros at the beginning of an adventure where I'll be like, okay guys, the next adventure is this, here's the theme, here's this, here's what you can kind of expect out of the adventure. But I I don't do it at like the table. We just do it over, say something like discord over text. So it's not, you're right. It is still a session zero. It's just not a session zero. It's, it's communication <laughs> that's yeah i mean
1: that's just what the the general uh the modern kids are calling it nowadays yeah, yeah. Is just to kind of wrap everything up with like hey if you have any weird questions or something that i completely overlooked because i'm excited you're excited i'm looking at monsters to paint and minis to build out and books to read and all of this shit and there's going to be something i miss yeah right or even the session zero literally f- falls down on let me see your character sheet yeah yep. is there something I'm missing oh that number shouldn't be here where did you get this from and that's it mm-hmm. it's just it's it's doing your homework as the teacher
0: so yeah. now you guys have done a great job explaining how you guys do the homework as the as the game master however uh, how do you get players to do their homework as well
2: reward them with depends you have to find you have, this is kind of true with you know when you're working with an employee if you're a manager of employees you have to find what that person wants out of the game hmm. i've got four different players at my table and i can tell you rob is more for the fun of the community of the table yep. the player fun i know uh one of my friends paul is he's very into the combat and rewarding mm. like um he's a war gamer he's a war, yeah, he's, he's, a a war gamer he's a war gamer with, with role play he likes that i know um for example uh nick just wants to have really cool gear mm-hmm. and uh, i know um amanda wants to feel fulfilled and successful So what I'll do is I will reward them with what I think they want out of the game. So for someone like, um, Nick, I'll be like, okay, cool. You got a cool piece of gear you can play with. Something interesting. Mm. Uh, for Amanda, I will be like, okay, everything went well. Like your plan succeeded. Yeah. Um, for someone like, um, rob rob wants kind of things to go wrong and awkward and weird yeah so i'll make something go weird for him i reward them for what they want in the game and the more they give me the more i give back to them and that's Hmm. that pavlov thing Hmm. that i do with them interesting so for me homework
1: wise i don't give my players fucking anything (laughs)
2: as far as i can tell we're learning this lesson where you're just a dark dreary dm and i'm like i'm happy go lucky i'm a care bear oh (laughs) yeah
1: man it's great uh no i have right now uh the things that i found work really really well is i call it campfire moments yeah in which case i set up a side chat okay and then i bounce the fuck out i have an adventuring journal that is literally here where i can go into adventuring journal and here is the session notes from from my players nice perspective some of it's filled out some of it isn't but like from people who have put in and like hey here's what's happened kind of thing oh and is this this crowdsourced this is just one note oh okay this is just one note but the idea is i can see what they're writing down yeah if they put it in and it lets me know what they missed or what i missed oh right if i fuck up and forget a name or whatever that's where that goes yeah shopkeepers or someone that they an npc that might come back kind of thing um (laughs) the reward for that though is not necessarily i don't know man it's it's hard to say because it's not necessarily like i give them magic items or anything like that there's no pat on the head yeah it's their player their characters live another day yeah which sounds awful but they will naturally find magic items if they go out and do the,
2: if they go out and play the game, they they're gonna get stuff. Well, I think uh, the way I think of homework is how do you get them to make sure they do their character? They're not doing it last minute at the time of. How do they do the homework of? Oh, ne- the, instead of just thinking about the session at the session, they leave the game and think about things they can do, things they can evolve, uh, role play they want to develop, and stuff like that.
1: Nintendo geek, you had a trim.
3: Oh, I was going to say the real reward is, you know, just, uh, oh, no, I forget. You're going to say friendship? Yeah, you're the, the, the friends. You're going to say friendship's the real mic off. Get, no, the, the, mic. the journey is reward, and the friends you meet along the way. Oh, awesome. God. And hopefully awesome. they all don't die. And
1: uh, Mike. I mean, <laughs> no, but Spoken like a true player. <laughs> That's good. I find, uh, depending on the setting and the game you're running, you could play a game of D&D and have absolutely no magic items in it at all. Mm-hmm. so then how do you reward them right the yep. character at the end of the stick uh or the carrot at the end of the stick being inspiration inspiration is granted usually once per session everyone forgets about it is a is a point you get you mark a little a little mm. tick on your paper mm. and you get to re-roll a die at any point point. and that's inspiration hell yeah and it's great we always forget to fucking give it out to a point where I have made it. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. supposed to be the reward.
2: Right. And the thing I is, hate inspiration.
1: The thing is, is you reward your players with good behavior or good, like bookkeeping and good role play. So, Hey, you talked in silly voices. Well, you get an inspiration, yeah. but the difference is, is the story and the game itself will naturally play out. And if someone, if someone talked, rolled some dice had a big speech, did some persuasion and stuff, and it auto like it succeeds. Guess what? That's fucking rewarding. The thing you wanted to do, did it. There's no character at the end of the stick. There's no Mm -hmm. carrot at the end of the stick. The character the player was playing the character in a very heroic moment or in a very nasty moment. And they got the thing they wanted. And even if it sounded impossible or crazy, it they pulled it off. Well that's what I mean by that number all of a sudden the reward in a weird sort of way becomes the DC, which is the difficulty. Mm Goes down, yeah, right. So instead of a twenty, because they'll have to fucking roll a twenty or higher in order to do this impossible thing. Well, now it's a fifteen. Because hmm. I want to fucking see what this crazy hairbrain scheme kind of yeah. goes down. And like, they're gonna pull it off. And that's something you don't necessarily announce. You just
2: kind of naturally let it happen. Okay, okay. that's what I mean You're by fucking awesome. That's for cool. being awesome. Yeah. But that's what I mean by the reward. Like, I have got some players like Rob who has no interest in he doesn't really like being the face character he doesn't like having the big speeches and coming up with these big ideas he likes just being around and letting other people make these decisions but his way of doing his homework is he's he'll play he likes to play support characters that do weird stuff when what he often fails to do is and maybe he'll listen to this and i don't know if i've ever talked to him about this or not <laughs> um, <up>. yeah uh <laughs> is People will be like, hey, like, let's say he's a, playing a crafter character. They'll come to him and be like, hey, can you make me a suit of armor? And he, he'll be like, hey, what can you do? What can you do? And he doesn't communicate with them very well. So when he does that, I reward him with, okay, your character's now gained this, or they've gained this amount of followers. Or I'll choose something to him that rewards him in, in a way. That's what I mean by doing homework. Something outside mm-hmm. of the play session. Because my players always come to bear at the play session. It's outside of the play session that I want them to think, be thinking, more about what's going on than just at the table.
1: Amanda, how many times does that chat go off after the game or before a game?
3: Um, it depends. Like uh, leading if we're up going, to a Thursday night, yeah. If night. we're going into like a big fight, everyone's like, "Okay, we have to kind of like, uh, what is our game plan?" Like, we don't necessarily meta game, mm-hmm. like where you where you specifically talk like, "Hey, yeah. you're going to do this and you're going to do this." It's okay. Like, this is what I can do. What can everyone else do? Hmm. But there is actually no like. I don't know, like, it's more of, like, a touch point of, like, who has these items, like, who has the potions. Just taking inventory. We do the
2: same thing, but what what I'm getting at is... When your players, your players are doing that. So yeah, you they're doing to, it.
1: There is no reward at the you, players. You're respect.
2: done giving them the reward. Yeah, You've the, already trained them in that The way. game is the reward. The game is the reward. What I'm saying is I don't have to give my players rewards anymore. Yeah. Because I've already potty trained them. Sure. To this. Yeah. And now they see their own reward. But the question is, is in, in my mind, this question is when your player is not conducive to that, how do you conduct, how do you get them to the level of the rest of the, the party that's already used to that reward that's already used to that
1: you don't want to babysit too too much realistically the thing is is for us with we use the very very sticky and uh, uh, app called DD beyond and DD beyond's fun but i can see all of my character sheets so Mm -hmm. i know if something's not up to date or i know if something's out of whack uh normally it's very very rare because i think just like in the session zero everyone everyone i play with right now respects everyone's time Yes, they understand we have four hours or we have three hours or when we used to play in person, it was like, hey, man, we're going to play for six hours. I'm going to drink three beers. I'm going to get order pizza and I have to get a babysitter. So this fucking better be worth it, right? Because this is my time. This is my night out. This is my mental health break. And that buy in of not necessarily paying your DM for the service is them saying, I need to show up to bowling with my fucking bowling shoes. Yes. I need to show up to D&D with my dice and my shit in order. Yes. Because if they don't, they're going to have a bad time. Yep, yep. I completely agree. And stuff happens, right? People forget dice. Stuff gets busy. Character sheets don't get up to date. Work gets busy. I think the difference, too, is... You're playing with your friends. And if it becomes a bad habit, then it's a conversation you need to have. Yes. But if it doesn't become a bad habit and it's just like, oh, look, man, I'm fucking doing it right now. Listen, well, so you, you it's just the, have a young kid. Or you bro- okay. Your wife
2: just had a new kid or you right. just had a new kid. Right. I totally get it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing. And you yeah. don't want to be, it's it's a game. We're playing a game for children. Uh, I think that's the the other humbling experience you have to remind yourself when you look in the mirror right before you play, uh, the whites of your eyes, you're playing a game for children. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You are not a teacher. This is not a job. You are not live streaming for a million people. This is fun. This is fun.
0: Is now is is there any situation in which the metagame knowledge that players can sort of come up with with one another outside the game? Right? Is 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 there any like double edged sword of that where like maybe you have to punish them for doing something outside as well? Or is, is there ever been a
1: situation like that? What I have found is I've had players that will play. Like barbarians or fighters, mm. and they don't necessarily have the stats for yeah. it. So, or the, should I? I should, I'm gonna cl- reclarify that one. So, what I found is I have players who are relatively smart. Yeah, outside people, right? They're just clever. They've played this game enough, and um, they know. Hey, an owl bear only has hundred hit points. Mm. Right there, Or their other fellow DMs, and it's hard to shut that off. I'm yeah. bad like that sometimes. right? Hey, I know that fucking that bear's got another attack, and I didn't get hit twice. I only got hit once. What the fuck's going on? Mm. There are other players that will go in and say, hey, I'm super strong in my character, but I'm really smart and as a player, and I'm going to call this out. Or I'm going to just do the thing. And it's like you as a DM kind of have to lean in and say, hey, man, make a die roll. Because mm. yeah. I know you don't have the numbers to back it up. Yeah. And that die roll, even if they know it, you have to kind of go, no, man, you don't know that. You don't know that information. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that kind of hard stops it. Nice. The tricky thing is, is if the die roll's good, good for them. Yeah, man, bang on. If they don't know it, then yeah. Well, no, hey, man, that's man that's like fuck. Usually, that's and fair. that's not a slap on the wrist as much as that saying, "Hey, we're playing a game. It's and the game. You're kind of made, meta game. and You're kind of calling out, like, yeah,
2: it's right. a struggle. Like I said, all a bunch. Most of my players have been at this for over a decade." So I cannot throw most creatures at them without them going, What well, I they may not know the exact hit points, but they'll get, get, get a range and they know how, about how many hits it takes to take it down. And they'll, they'll kind of have that and they also know the abilities it has. And so well, my solution to that at this point is if I ever think that I'm throwing something like, oh, it's a bugbear. No, 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 no. This is a bugbear. With some advanced template that makes it something extra special. Right. It's got a hit. And hard. uniquely uh-huh. different. Okay. I never throw at them, I, I do throw them normal stuff, because right. you just can't make everything special. You don't have yeah. time for that. You know, nobody's got fucking time for that. Nobody's got time for that. <laughs> but it, I, there is not a single boss battle. And I do I do pre-built uh, APs. Yeah. So I think that's one major difference between you and I, Rich is I do pre-built APs because I got I, I got shit to do. Yep. I mean, you so do you, but you still make the time. Good on you, man. It's a it's a nightmare. <laughs> I don't want to live that nightmare. <laughs> I have worlds in my head. But what I do anything. is there is not a single, and most of the fights are exactly what's written in the book. Yeah. Um, I might beef it up here or there a little bit, but there is not a single role-play character um, or boss fight that is what was written in the book. Never a goddamn time. Right. Never once will I let that happen.
0: You're like, this is a bugbear, but it's got thumbs. Fuck you. Well, I mean, the other <laughs> thing, <laughs> too, though, is... is not oh, to...
2: it's got a crown of intelligence. Suddenly, it's a bugbear that's <laughs> right. super smart and casting spells, and you didn't that's see that amazing. coming.
0: That's amazing. I love that,
1: too, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was one... Uh, I'll tell you, this is a great example of what I'm talking about. They were coming up against an ogre. Yeah. And an ogre is just a big... No, it was a giant. That's what it was. Okay. It was like a stone giant. Mm. And they were very confused because the stone giants, I'm a big guy. And he was just swinging and being very beefy, but he was also casting spells. and He was holding this bunny in his, in his hand. Hmm. And while also swinging like what the hell's going on? Turns out the bunny was baleful polymorphed, but it still had its intelligence as a sorcerer. And oh. it had, it, it didn't have to do somatic components, it had feats to, so it didn't have to do somatic or verbal components. So it was casting spells as the bunny. Wow. And they thought it was the big guy. So they were attacking the big guy who just had, Buckets of health. Yeah, yeah. And they, they're like, well, normally casters, you go up to the caster first, and then you take care of the bucket guy.
0: So did they assume the rabbit then was like, it's kill or something? Or they did, didn't know. It
2: just oh. suddenly they killed the ogre, and it just sort of went away. The bunny just hopped away, but the bunny kept coming back. And that finally they realized <laughs> it after like the second time. It's a fucking rabbit. It's a fucking rabbit. So, fucking rabbit. Hunting, you know. <laughs> so I, the- I never make something what they expect at this point. At, at 10 years, I got to go wild.
1: You got to go wild with it. I think the interesting thing too is, is you don't want to necessarily punish your players. Uh, and best example is, hey, uh, heads up, snake might be poisonous. So yeah. That's not metagaming. That's just, you know, is <laughs> yeah. in the water, spider makes web. Yeah, like yeah. there is yes. a level of intelligence. The yeah. thing I found that really kind of uh, improved was I sell... Books in my world. Okay, right, and there are uh, books in D and uh, D. They're they're actually books. They're called uh, Volvo's Guide to Monsters. Okay, right. And Volvo's Guide. You can actually go on Amazon and buy that right now. It's fine. What I do though is I sell these volumes of books written by this guy, but yeah. Volvo lies. Yeah. So some of this information, it's the Steve Irwin of D and D, right? Oh, so if my players r- take their time and read downtime. They get advantage on the roll, whether it's the nature or a con or whatever the check yeah, is, yeah. so they can go, hey, that thing's poisonous, and it also eats meat. Or, hey, yeah, yeah. they yes. normally come out at night, and that's that, what am? What are we fighting? Because there's so many wild monsters and yeah. wacky stuff where I'll put a mini on the table, and I won't say what it is yeah. because the players have never seen it before. So we don't know what we're fighting, Yeah. yeah. but if they've read the book and... There's some information that might be ro- wrong because they rolled too low, but they know what the name is and they know what the the illustration of it is would be in the book. Mm-hmm. They can go, oh fuck, we're fighting Bollywogs. We're fighting Oogoliths or whatever the fuck it is. Careful. They spit acid. Yeah. Well, it's not acid. It's poison or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, just a should, twist. But that item all of a sudden, now there's an item in the world they can go buy or find yep. on a dead adventurer who is like the Steve Irwin who got bit by whatever. Yeah. And, there's that tool that kind of doesn't necessarily aid the metagaming, but it kind of just says, hey, now you know what you're fighting. And now you know next time yes. you fight it, because if you run into this again, you know you have to have a silvered weapon or you have yeah, to yeah. do this. Or yeah, yeah. it's a little yes. bit taking from the Witcher yeah. where you kind of that's investigate right. the monster. Yeah. Normally, that's something you throw to your fighter or your mage or realistically, folks. Give it to your druid and ranger. Your ranger gives, give your
2: ranger something cool to do outside of the fight before they jump hmm. in. Let's say you throw out one of these standard monsters, like snakes got poison. And one of your players, they never read this book. They, they don't have, you know, a, a ranger to know this kind of shit. Okay. They'll all know it has poison. Sure. But they don't know maybe this one specifically, it's bite isn't poisonous. It's paralysis. Sure. Um, One of your players knows because they've interacted with it before, but the character shouldn't know it. Right. Mm -hmm. When that player goes, hey, guys, just so you know, it's not poisonous. It's paralysis. What, how do you handle that?
1: You take it to poison. Okay. Immediately on the fly. So you just fuck with them. You fuck with them. Or Or guess what? It's super poison and you bite the guy who just said it
2: yeah yeah okay okay. sorry
1: man and you take 20 (laughs) points of poison damage but it's paralysis you take 20 points of dungeon dungeon master fuck you
2: yeah (laughs) the answer yeah it sounds like you kind of not you and i both sort of follow you just shift it even if it's at the moment because they don't know until the combat starts they don't really know what this thing can do and even then even as combat starts just because it did poison one time why can't it fight bite be fire why can't it do both so
1: (laughs) this is something i wanted to bring up i've um i use a bunch of different resources and books and realistically, none of them really from Wizards of the Coast, besides usually the Monster Manuals. Mm-hmm. The one, uh, one I'm reading right now, it's uh, Keith Amund. Not like the nut. It's A M M M A N N. Uh, look it up. It's called "The Monsters Know What They're Doing," and I can yeah. recommend "The Monsters Know What They're Doing." And there's a second book called book. "More Monsters Know What They're Doing." And what he does is he hyper analyzes the stat blocks of monsters Hmm. and he kind of runs it through the nature documentary filter so it simply says i'm gonna use the goblin for an example goblin is intelligent but they're not very strong and they don't have a lot of constitution and they're wise but it the numbers don't play out yeah so a goblin will never fight you face to face okay there might be one goblin with a poison dagger laying in the road and he's the distraction because he's the youngest one and they're on a hunting mission. Uh. Because the goblins are 30, 60 feet away. Goblins have dark vision. Goblins now are 60 feet away in the woods shooting bows at you. Mm. You have no idea where these goblins yes. are. You only have 30 feet of dark vision and a bow can go this far. And it just gives you combat tactics for these monsters. And as, not assumes, but kind of in elaborates on where they would normally be in their natural habitat or mm. unnatural habitat. He's got another one that just came out about layers and dungeons and what the fuck is a dungeon? Why what's in it? And yes. why are they protecting it? Okay. Keith Arman's, uh, monsters know what they're doing is phenomenal. Yes. It's a little bit of a heavier read. You don't have to read it start to finish, yeah. but jump into what the monsters you're using that night. You take and it as read inspiration the combat tactic. It's fantastic. Yeah. The other one is saying if you're fighting wolves, if you get that wolf down and like, 75, 50% of its health left, it's not going to stay and fight. It's going to run. Yeah. Treat the monster, treat the monsters of the enemies like real animals. Yes. They're not going to, unless it's defending or hurt or rabidous or something's wrong with it, in which case your players have to, your ranger or your cleric has to start rolling dice yeah. and not fighting, but investigating Yeah. and tell that visual story. They're going to run for their lives. Yeah. That giant is going to go ballistic if he drops to, he's got 30 hit points left out of 100. Or he's gonna run mm-hmm. because he's a coward he's knowing like, hey, I'm not strong enough. Bye. Yeah. I'd rather live another day. Yeah. I love great book. I, great book series. Honestly. I love,
0: the, I love that idea. And I also love the idea of Steve when like you mentioned earlier. Like how you die looking for necromances. Oh, there's one, man. There. She's a beaut. Now I'm gonna wrestle her to the ground. <laughs> like, for that's real. Amazing,
1: for man. real. And you it's a great <laughs> character and a great book to drop in because then you can have your characters get hired by this fucking asshole. Yeah. And yeah. he'd be like, I'm gonna pay you. And none of his par none of his car- no none, none of these people that he get hired comes yeah, yeah. back alive. One, he just follows them and documents because the players are the bait. Like you know what I mean? Like it's funny. just such a <laughs> one, one thing one I can great tell you, Dickhead side quests, nonsense so gun. funny. One thing
2: I can say is in the adventure paths that I play, which uh, are usually written from Paizo themselves or whoever they hire, um, every single stat block, every single monster that they put out has a section that says if health is brought below X number or X percentage, the, mon- the creature will, and it'll do something. It'll go run away. It'll go find its captain in the other room. It will um, beg for its life. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Based on how they perceive that character to be in that room. So they give you hints about how this creature is thinking in the context of that adventure path right then and there. Nice. We don't
1: have that for d DD d d d is just kind of like, here's a monster. Here's a bunch of spells. Um, Here's a uh, here, especially spellcasters. It drives me fucking nuts. Where it's like, hey, uh, the spellcaster who is the bad guy has light or thaumaturgy hmm. yeah. or like fucking mage hand spells or cantrips that are completely useless that they would never use in combat. And I don't know why they added them to the stat block instead of just saying, here are the five things you're gonna do. You're gonna blow this spell. You're gonna save this one in case he has to go nuclear.
2: And these are, like, your go-to okay. kind of They thing. do that in the Pathfinder Adventure Paths. They'll say, at the start of combat, um, if he has warning, he'll buff himself up with these spells um, because of this reason. Uh, you know, because he has the mental state of this. And um, at the start of combat, he might start with this. And then if brought below certain health, he'll do this. Yeah. So that does exist. And the more of important character it is in the adventure path the more they'll talk they'll yep. put in that
0: section so speaking of skills and kind of the predictability of what the skill checks do uh do you guys allow skill substitution during skill checks
2: yes yeah 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 it's a pretty simple one yeah sometimes okay. uh let, sometimes. let the player uh, give me a reason why that skill check applies like how they're trying to change it
1: okay um so strength instead of charisma for uh intimidating
2: that's a very reasonable is the easiest one (laughs) that's a classic easiest one literally what's written in the question oh really
1: that is the easiest one because like usually that's the one you you kind of switch out the other ones you don't really can i use west or can i use uh was it wisdom for arcana or whatever it does you don't really change those out in a way but uh
2: yeah and i've done stuff like um can i use strength instead of acrobatics to get across this 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 pole across a chasm well Cause there's the balancing aspect of acrobatics. Yep. Oh no, I'm just fucking holding on for dear life and just grabbing yeah. it from underneath like a monkey. And that's strength. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Like yeah. that's fine.
4: <laughs> yeah. That
2: you come sense. up with a reason to, to yeah. do like, honestly, I don't usually, when I have my characters come up against a challenge, I don't tell them what skill check to roll. I ask them, what do you do? And I, based on the way they're describing what they're doing, I go, okay, give me this role. And usually it's pretty accurate because it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And sometimes, on the rare occasion, they all go, well, Adam, I think it might be this role. And I'll say, okay, tell me why. Usually they're right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I say, yes, go for it. Cool. 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 Excellent. A pretty simple answer. <laughs> Actually, so
0: you guys have been doing this for a long time. You said you've been doing it for how long, Rich?
1: DMing? Yeah. Or playing? DMing. Okay, DMing? Four or five years? Okay, quite Four a long time. Years, no, yeah, not you've that. You've been doing it for a while, too. About almost two years. Adam taught me how to play. Oh, okay. Yeah. My introduction to D&D was uh, getting a dice game at Christmas for my aunt when I was like nine yeah. and having action figures and not really knowing what d d was. So yeah, setting yeah. up dice. And then in college, we would party at a buddy's house and do copious amounts of drugs. And we, <laughs> at one point, <laughs> borrowed uh, his girlfriend at the time's dad's old D D books and boxes and oh. flipped through those, but we were way too messed up to really kind of focus Use in. It. So <laughs> D and this would like this was like OG or like second edition stuff. I yeah. remember the covers. He had all of them. It was gorgeous. Wow. But we, at that point it was just more math homework. So uh. it wasn't like, hey, here's a game. It was just very much just like, well, you're not going to run it on mushrooms or you're not going to run <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. You know, inebriated, I'll say. So yeah.
0: so now because of your experience, how would you handle parties that are a combination of newbies and experienced players? How do you go about doing that? You this, want to take this one?
2: Yeah, this is for me. This is super easy. Um, actually, I'm, I have that situation coming up. I think it's not a hundred percent for sure. I think it's pretty close to hundred um, percent. In a few weeks from now, uh, we're doing a uh, we're doing a side quest because my current DM, Plubby and Amanda. Uh, has to go to school. So she won't be uh, Ah. my DM for a little bit. So I've got to I've got to take over his DM. And we're bringing in a new player for that short period introductory. And the way we're doing it is I've because again I've got all bunch of experienced players. Mm -hmm. I've got that guy's friend. So you know so the person who brought him into the game, uh sitting next to him. And what's happening is this player is sitting between me and the uh his friend. This way he feels comfortable with his friend, but also as of the DM I can be as close as possible to help him out. Here's the real trick, especially with something like Pathfinder where the rules can be a bit more complicated, complicated. I don't want to say complicated. It's the same rules as DM uh, as D and D. It's just, um, it's more mathematically laid out. It's just poorly laid out. Um, basically I don't, tell him, I, I don't do the same thing I do with other players. I say, okay, you tell me what to do in this case. What I'll say is he'll, I just, you just describe what you want to do to, I'll just describe what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I will say, he'll say, okay, this is what I want to do. I just want to describe in human words. Don't tell me the mechanics. Don't use mechanical terms. Just describe in human terms, what you want to do. I want to do something. And I say, okay, for that roll a D 20. usually at this point for the new player, I know his sheet. My yeah. job is the DM and the experienced player is to know his sheet yeah. better than he does. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, roll the d20. Uh, when you roll that d20, add this number to it. Yeah, Are okay. you
1: doing pre-gen? Or are you making this character up brand new from scratch? Are you working with the player, though, to build out the character?
2: A bit of both. Um, it depends on the on the person. Sometimes okay. I might... I, don't, I won't usually do pre-gens because those are usually shitty. Um, I will build a character for that person. I will usually talk to them and say all right, this game is very wild. What kind of video games do you like? Yeah um okay you like this who's your favorite video game character look at adam fucking doing a session zero i know this man like, doesn't uh, do session
3: uh,
1: zeros <laughs> like tricked him i tricked him into session zeros see <laughs> okay tell me more it must look like a psych assessment or something it like kind of is, man. It's it's is. It's fucking, it is it's a fucking job interview it, it is. is brutal but it's a job interview it, it is you just have to know how to read the room
2: now in this case for this player that's coming in um uh the player that's bringing him in is just as experienced as i am so he's doing the the interview yeah Uh, He's doing the session one. He's doing all of that for me. He's doing the legwork for me and he's just going to report back to me. (laughs) Um, But that's normally what I do is I'll I'll find out and I'll build a character that's simple. The key is I want something that's super simple, but also has these little bit of mechanics that can show off Features of the game. It's
1: a streamlined version of the game.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's usually what I pull off for them as best as I humanly can. That fits what they like as best as I can based on that interview. Yeah. And then this way I have built the character. So therefore I know it the most. And therefore when he's playing, I just say, roll the dice, do this. Yeah. Hey, just so you know, you could do this in this situation. Sometimes. Um, I find that normally with new players, the hardest part is, um, is when you say, okay, you're in a town. And, now I leave it to you as as a player to make decisions. A new player will freeze in place. You got to always make a no decisions.
1: You got to always start with a question.
2: You got to always start with a question. Experienced players, you can kind of do that.
1: I'd start with the
0: obvious question.
2: Where's the brothel? Right. Yeah. It's that a- could be. <laughs> right. But an it's experienced, on fire. what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. an experienced player will will not struggle with that. With that in with that open worldness. A new player will. A new player won't know what to do. <laughs> right. So you always need to, especially at the beginning, lead the the, for the first time the new player, lead them to the next point of interest. And then after a certain period, once you start to notice them making decisions that you didn't guide them to, yeah, then you can sort of, okay, I'm releasing the reins a bit. yeah, And then over time they evolve into that.
1: Well, yeah, Thank once you. they figure out kind of how the game plays. Yeah. Realistically, I would not introduce a new player uh especially a first time player hmm. into a campaign. That's usually where yeah. I will run D&D. Uh it's either dinner and drinks and it's yeah. more in a style of a board game. Gotcha. Tonight okay. we are doing yeah. this. There are three there are three fucking apples we have to collect. It's like a Zelda mission or something. It's a little bit more streamlined, it's a little bit more tighter uh not like maybe two combats yeah right one small one so they get the idea of it and Mm -hmm. then slightly something a little bit bigger like a centerpiece yeah and then that's the night you save the town kind of thing or you saved the the villagers or you've got the horses that were missing back yeah and you run it just as a board game in and out yeah and then that's the easiest way to introduce them and i normally play with a couple experienced players or it's usually sometimes it's just a room full of noobs yeah. And that's the thing. I think you would do really, really well at playing with just new people. You could. No, you totally no, no could. I'm saying you. Oh. You as a DM, you excel at teaching the game. Oh, okay. You that's a lovely that's a compliment. Thing? Yeah, I'll no, take you excel, it. you're very good at teaching the game. And I think you should, in a weird sort of way, I think you might find it pleasantly polite and delightful to play with new people. Because oh, They're it. gonna throw some
3: wild I, ass shit because you're so used yeah. to
1: the same six or seven people that you yeah. play with. Where you'd see stuff, where if you jump in like a bar night or a d and yeah. uh, a Pathfinder, a D&D session at one of the board game stores, you would fucking be delighted because you'd be like, these motherfuckers wanted to pull this shit off. And you think I'm going to let them get away with that? And then they did. And yeah. like It's
2: fucking great. I completely agree with you. It's I, delightful. I, I love your point of not bringing them into an existing long running campaign. Um, I, I didn't say that, but I agree um and yeah you're absolutely right. I love new players yeah I I there there's just something I really enjoy about seeing the light in someone's eye after it usually takes like one or two sessions right for them to see the light and really understand how this game works and you go and you can see them get excited and start to realize what they can and can't yeah. do and that to me is a very fun moment is when I notice that light bulb flick
1: so Alex the thing is is you want to completely avoid and this is the tricky thing And the reason why I say a one shot, and usually end the one shot in a cliffhanger, or they get some magic items at the end of the the one shot, so they want to come back and use those magic items, Uh, right? You give them that like loot box, yeah, yeah. you know that little hit, that little hit, you know what I'm (laughs) saying? And the last thing you want to do is sit down and say, hey, welcome to the campaign. We're going to start a campaign. This is what we're going to do for the next Sunday till you die. It's going to be eight yes. hours long. We are best friends now. This is all you're going to do. All I'm going to do is talk to you about D&D. All you're going to want to do is D&D. If you don't answer in any of my text messages or response in any of your character's name or what your character would talk in text format... I swear to God, you will not get experience points. And you don't want to <laughs> lean in. I just got closer and closer he to him.
0: I was gonna say he but, just for the cause you can't see. He just leaned in within eighteen inches of my face like, to tell me that. <laughs> it's
1: you don't wanna like Welcome to the cult.
0: Yeah, you keep it real right? Yeah. You got yeah.
1: Board game. Monopoly.
2: Yeah. Welcome to yeah. most you gotta trap. You got to keep it chill, man. Yeah. Roll
0: the... on a boner check. It's... Roll on it. And, and don't tell it. them anything
2: about do? the rules. Don't ever talk nope. about the rules. Just yeah. say roll a dice. Right. Come Wait. play D&D.
1: Never hand them the homework and or for the book. For yeah. the book. For yeah. the say it's literally Clue. We are just
2: doing the Clue. Oh, We're go. playing Clue tonight, and it yeah. happens to be an Elf and a Dwarf and uh oh and you're not rolling 2d6 to move from room to room here's a d20 that's yeah, all you need to that's know that's it <laughs> and,
0: and, and you guys is, is uh gms you don't use the big scary chonky d20 for your roles is that is that it you avoid
2: no, that in the no, exploratory no session?
1: no no god no <laughs> no but you do put because i've like... seen it
0: it's intimidating It's very intimidating.
2: <laughs> those but are things i use for ba- big boss battles i'm like guys this is a big situation chunk this is yeah. serious
1: yeah yeah it's set piece wise yeah, yeah you yeah. want to have like a good, good, uh, environment combat,
0: like a bowling ball. that has been hewn into a D 20. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not <laughs> shave it right down? Hell yeah. Beautiful. Oh, Next. Give yeah, me another one. one. <laughs>
2: yes. And. I was,
0: I was waiting for you guys.
2: <laughs> this... No, that was it. That's all we yeah, got. Yeah, no, yeah. No.
0: Um, we already kind of covered a few of these just in the conversation. So we're not going to revisit some of them. Uh, I guess, um, I would want to know from you guys, and, and I'm curious if we're going to have different opinions on this. What would you say is the most important aspect of, of your campaigns and 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 some of the things that are written here in kind of the synopsis would be like story and adventure or campaign and world building or combat encounters or NPC development. Like what what among these things is the most important to you as
2: GM? Rich, players. What do you mean?
1: Describe. If the players are having a good time, that is the most important thing. Boom. I uh, there's do no not, dissent. <laughs> I do not care. I love my world. I love my sandbox. I love the homework aspect of it. That is literally masturbation well I'll, that I'll, is all that is <laughs> and i'm not going to say the other one that i normally tell people we're rolling on
0: a boner check what? right now that rolling on a boner <laughs> check
1: but the the world building lore and mythos you build is wonderful it's fantastic mm-hmm. it's amazing you cannot get upset if your players don't want to interact with it yep. you cannot push that shit on them if you want that write a book you know what alex let me ask you a question yes do you know what the power fantasy is in D D? Uh, to be like a top tier wizard. Sure, that's close, right? It's power. Like everybody's different. Yeah. Do you know what the power fanny is? Wow. You know what the power, power panties? Power panties. Do you know what the power fantasy for the DM is? To kill all of them, being heard. Oh,
0: okay. They Wow.
1: Damn. Being listened to. Damn. Because you are commanding a room, and your friends or these people, sometimes strangers, sometimes loved ones, wherever are literally investing their time and energy to spend time and every if you're good at it they're hanging off every word Mm. if you're bad at it you might need to space spice things up and change your tactics or the way you're approaching the game Mm. but that's my opinion on that one
2: i I think you're pretty close i think the only thing i would mostly slightly change there is first of all uh so let me go back just a bit start Um, at the beginning yeah start from the beginning Uh, yes. Um, I think the best way I've ever said it or ever heard it being said is if my players are having fun, I'm having fun. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm part of that power fantasy where my favorite thing to do is to feel good that the thing that I prepped, the thing that I did brought joy to someone else.
1: The next day when people are talking about the game or what happened the night before or the week later, it's like, fuck yeah that was a good session yeah i'm high
2: off that shit right i'm high as a dm off that shit it's not the game it's after yes it's when they're thinking about hmm, it when they're
1: texting you being like hey can i do what what's going on
2: yes exactly so that that's yes that matches that being heard power fantasy if you want to describe it that way um the other thing is i don't think that the player's power fantasy is being the top level level wizard i think it's a microcosm of being successful in their decisions. Yep. Um, it's being, and if you just, it's kind of that same work ethic, it's throughout life. People want challenge and success. They don't think they want challenge, hmm. but the success means nothing if they don't experience the challenge. Yeah. So the power fantasy is success. Hmm. In whatever they decide to do. Yeah. That is ultimately the power fantasy. Whether that is being the most powerful wizard. Oh, whether the strongest. Is, or, whether the yeah. strongest. Whether that means being the most um, ch- charismatic leader of a country. Or
0: making sure like your horse survives
1: the campaign. It
2: could yeah. be yeah. as simple that as that.
0: Is that a big thing?
1: Throwing it back to you. <laughs> yeah. You can't escape it.
3: I can't. Like literally. You can
1: grab the reins and pull as hard as <laughs> you can. But you can't let that pony go.
3: Literally. It's. Yeah, it's always like, oh, I'll watch the horses around Amanda. <laughs> okay, you no. told that
1: story on here. I was not going to go there.
3: It was, uh, it's like the never-ending story because I think we were going to like a, an island that there was like this weird like culty thing happening, and we I locked the horse up uh, in like the tree line. Oh no, that was another one. <laughs>
1: so, oh my exactly. God! There's more than one
4: horse. That
3: one I got There's eaten lot, by multiple, harpies.
1: Multiple horses.
3: So the first one we were trying to escape. It was like a bog, like you know. In my spell book, I was a warlock. Got eaten by like an alligator boss guy. Yeah, yeah. As you do. And the horse, much like the never ending Story. So <gasps> no. like, I went to go. I I tried to spook the horse to like get it to run away. My God! But it's muddy it's and it got terrain. stuck.
0: My God!
3: And it died. In the mud, much like dude,
2: this Pray was you? the most traumatic experience much of my like time Rich, was. you're a monster of a oh, DM. I am so awful. You, that
1: that that's my is... thing. You laughed. You're like, oh man, I'm like really fun. We're having like this crazy Cthulhu thing. I'm like, everyone cries blood because they're out of tears. <laughs> to cry. No one weeps. And that was like the it's first two tears. months
3: a... of playing, and that was four years ago.
1: No, oh, that's great. We <laughs> that's laugh. We have a good go... time, but it's fucking brutal. Haunts. I yeah, man, I'm a brutal DM. It's a fun time though. Uh, The other thing I would say though for the question is when, even when I'm building like a town, the first thing I do for my world building is I don't build the town or what the town's called. I think what's something the barbarian can do in the town. What's something the bard can do in the town. Do those overlap? And I write like three or four things down that are like mini games, side quest bullshit for those, not those characters, but the classes. Yeah. And then I build the town around that. Because your players aren't going to, they're going to go shop quick. They're going to yeah. go to the blacksmith and get their tools and gear re- fixed up and shit. They're going gotcha. to go drink and sleep. That's three things. Yeah. It's a city. What is happening in the city? Uh, yeah. So, what are your players going to interact with besides the three mechanics that the game offers, which is eat, sleep, buy gear, get the fuck yep, out? Yep. That's, right. that's a, I So use, you have to build yep. the world around those players so specifically to give them stuff because we've yeah. had it where players want to go shopping. Because yeah. they got all this gold and they want to buy the item. So they want to go buy the magic item or whatever it is. And then they go, well, fuck, we spent eight days on horseback getting to town because the dungeon isn't, you know, down the yeah. street. It's not the 7 yep. So they walk in and they're like, fuck, okay, we're here. What's, what are we doing? And that's what you really have to focus on: is what is what are these classes going to interact with? Well, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's yeah.
0: like if you if anybody listening has maybe not played a tabletop, but ha- you have played a JRPG. It's that kind of you arrive at a town, and the first
2: thing a child runs up to you:
0: "Hey there, these monsters out of the other end of right. town. We gotta kill him!"
2: Right. Well, that's usually what I do: is I build a town. I build the purpose for that town. Like in my mind, I ha- I can't just have a town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like I have to have like hey. Okay, uh, I think we recently did like a, I don't want to call it a one-off because I'm hoping it's not a one-off. It's not a one-off. Uh, it's Christmas just just time. It's yeah. busy, my guy. Um, where we're in like a lumbering town. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, why is this? Okay, it's in, a, it's in a forest. Why would a town be in a random forest? Right. Because it's a fucking lumbering town. Right. That makes perfect sense. Right. So that you build why that town exists. And to me, that information... Uh, builds the events that could could occur in that yeah. town. Yeah. So you build sort of these events and then you sort of build a history for the town and then that drives the events that will attract the players' actions or attention, I guess you could say. Mm. But why are they in the town? that that's a different question that's the question question i've answered probably before i built the town right right
1: and that's why i that's why i personally start with the what the fuck are the players going to do here yeah right and because you can have that where i've had it where they're like hey man here's this big town it's great it's going to be a big hub it's like dark souls this we're going to stay here it's safe we're going to do stuff and then and i use dark souls as like firelink shrine like this is safety Yeah, yeah right But if there's nothing for them to do, the barbarians and the monk are only going to go to the fight club once or twice. Yeah. They're not going to go. Like, you got to keep. Yep. Right. The bard is only the wizard's going to run out of money. He can't keep buying books. Yep. So what else is happening?
2: Towns exist for two reasons. One, to just do loot real quick and get out. Mm. Or if you really, uh, I I mean, it depends because you don't want to distract the player with the town if they're already got something they're doing. But if not, if you're leading them into something or maybe they have a moment of pause, you need to fill that town with character. Yeah. You need to make that town a character right? or that city or whatever. And it's important that you have events during even the shopping episode. Yeah. You make the shopping episode. It's a side quest, yeah. but it's a little mini side quest. Right. It, it only took a day to solve, like an in-game day.
1: We had uh, one of the players, um, There was a, they went to like a herbalist, an apothecary and they walked in and it's just this fucking shit show of there's stuff stacked from the floor to ceiling and there's little mushrooms on the the, the, the bar, mm-hmm. right? The, the register. And one of the, the, the player at this point was like, I'm bored out of my fucking mind. I don't want to go shopping anymore. We got to get the fuck out of here. He eats the cookie. Cool. Uh, I go, great. You lean in, you eat the cookie. Great. Reroll all of your fucking stats. Whoa. What? Whoa. Write them down. Boom. Your originals. Reroll all of your stats so you are tripping out oh no you're smart you have no strength all of a sudden you're just whacked Mm. and a lot of last roll dice make up a number off the top of my head three days so now all of a sudden he's bored and now he's oh shit we need to do this i can i we know i know how to solve the puzzle and it's like he's slowly losing (laughs) consciousness or whatever right and there's just you got to mix it up you always got to mix it up that's wild yeah that's wild. some fun fun uh Pivots. So I guess before we get into
0: maybe some of the... Uh,
1: heavier stuff? So,
0: well, no, well, I mean, we've already gone through some of the heavier stuff. I mean, We started this thing with, like, killing players. Eh. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But uh, I was glad we kind of started at the top with that, and then we got into some of the more technical stuff as we went through. I guess, uh, you know, what, one question, um, and this is specifically related to GMing more than anything else, but what are some house rules
2: that Wait, you Wait, did we answer the last question? What's most important in the game? I, I said, think we players. Just fun. said players. You said players, and I said and fun. fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: You're both wrong. Players was not an option That on is this list. <laughs> So, yeah, good night, good luck. Uh, so what are some house rules that you keep for your games?
1: Matching socks. <laughs> gotta have mashing socks. You know, you're fucking out of there. What's a house rule you roll? Because you you're playing by the book pretty much. I mean, you've got rule of
2: cool. Yeah, we definitely have. Uh, uh, yeah. What we I've call uh, what's, we, what's rule of cool? Uh, rule of cool is I don't care what the rules of the book say because what you just said is piquing people's interest. Mm-hmm. How even if the rules somehow make up a way for that not to be possible, I don't care it happens Mm. the rules are they're more like guidelines rather than rules right and so just because your character goes well you know if i crit, this really cool thing would happen ah what a a coincidence you crit you got advantage i'm gonna give you another chance or something like that Mm. I'm, i'm using that as a very bad example but um the idea is it doesn't matter what the rules say even if they say something is impossible you as the dm trump all things and if it's cool and interesting and, and is piquing your player's interest or your interest, you make it happen. Hmm. That's kind of the rule of cool. Slippery slope with that one, though, is if you give them an inch, they take a mile.
0: Yes. Yeah, I've heard this. So that is go, true.
2: no
1: fucking way. <laughs> right? Um, Rule of cool, great, that's fun. I genuinely don't play by that. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but you really gotta be careful. That is true. Fuck my guy, I've had people try to do some wacky shit with cantrips, and I'm like, you know, you're describing a, level spell no and it's a cantrip like yeah uh-huh. and a cantrip is a zero level it's something like uh turn off the lights okay. right it's like bang you snap your fingers and something happens uh-huh. right it's, it's a very low level easy peasy everyone kind of learns it year one wizard school shit okay right and then everything ratchets it's up yeah right so if you're gonna hey if i use this cantrip that lasts six seconds can i Cast this, do that within, and then it's like you're just trying to stack stuff now or stretch it a mile.
2: Let's see if I can put it this way. The rule of cool isn't built for a um, party member to solve a problem while skipping the rules. It's only used if it's going to enhance um, the storytelling.
1: Okay. So thematically, if it narratively makes sense in a great epic moment, it works. If you are yeah. trying to
2: Overcome manipulate a problem.
1: or uh, take advantage
2: yeah of i would say of the system yes yep then that's where we're really cool that that's that. where that that lies into yeah, um it's tricky. but as a homebrew rule like i i think the only one i have um I, I, i'm trying to think of one that like doesn't exist in pathfinder that I oh um okay do you want me to come back? Do you mean answer? answers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got it. this, so this I, don't, okay. I don't have
1: one. So I got a bunch of rule, uh, homebrew rules. Okay. Uh, the character death going back, uh, you don't come back for a session. Okay. Is a homebrew rule. Okay. Uh, I find the revivify thing where you have to roll and the gods kind of, it gets trickier and trickier is a homebrew rule. Um, the idea of, uh, what was the, oh shit. What's an, Amanda, you know some of them. No, no idea. Um, I, I don't really play by rule of cool because my characters or my players really kind of get away with some wacky shit. Okay. Uh, I do like the idea of shopping episodes and having to buy material and spell components. Very much the idea of them uh, not having uh, just a empty Zelda purse. Okay. Well, they'll go into a town and they'll buy gems. Yeah. from dwarves and exchange like all of this coin so they don't just walk through with bags of gold on them right and they'll have smaller things they can go in and exchange kind of it sounds dull and shitty it's banking yeah but they're also interacting with the world yeah right and if a big town if they think the player walks in and he's got a a, a diamond worth ten thousand dollars good luck selling that to the blacksmith right because he's gonna go i don't know what to do with this yeah. Right. And it just kind of makes the world feel a little bit more lived in in a way, but that's also not necessarily a rule as much as it's a mechanic that we have.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it, it makes sense because like it, it... backpack full of gold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every every action can't be equal in every scenario, right? You know what right. I mean? like right. It's, yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. My homebrew rules are more mechanical than they are thematical. That's fair. Um, one is I don't deal with encumbrance. I do. And I I do on some occasions that every rule can be broken. That's the fundamentals of this, by the way. It's, it's, you know, just like the English language, every rule can be broken as long as it's poetry. Um, Basically, every one of these rules can be broken at some time, but they're fundamentals that you can generally expect to be true. One, I don't deal with encumbrance because it's, unless you're in a world, unless you're you're in a scenario where encumbrance matters, like suddenly you're in a plane of existence where gravity is much higher or something Mm -hmm. like that. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Like, I, I just, I, we're doing so many things at the table. Yeah. I don't care. Same with rations. Uh, it only matters early first levels or if there's, you know, very desperate situation. Um, but wouldn't but
1: wouldn't eating something also be potentially a way to, like, raise HP or something like that? You can technically have, there's this little oversight that they have where you can have a character role, if it's available, to find food they forage. Yeah. But oh. that's only if it's available. Okay. So the difference to that with the rations is the rations is a step closer to the old school dungeon crawler of old school D&D where you go into a dungeon and it's 10 levels deep. And yeah. it's going to take you a week to get to the bottom and you can't find food. Gotcha. Because all the food is spoiled or gotcha. it, there is none. And you're not going to result to cannibalism or stuff will make you sick, like disease and poison and stuff. So that's where you have to count rations. That's That's where you also have to count torches and arrows and shit. It's a different style of game. So you don't play the dungeon crawl.
2: Uh, We don't usually play the dungeon crawl. And I think that's part of, I think a large portion of that. And this is interesting because it comes out of inherent in how Pathfinder uh, designs and is existent. Right. What happens is the combat day, the adventuring day for an adventure is only about four hours at most. So by the time you're level seven-ish, you can go into a dungeon. You'll go into a dungeon, go in for four hours, maybe, mm-hmm. and then you're out. So you very rarely, very rarely after seventh level or something, stay the night in a dungeon. Right. You're usually, you, you can usually teleport out and get to a town. So most of the time, by the time you're, you know, level seven to 11, you're sleeping in a in a comfy bed every night. Oh. So, because you're just so rich and you just teleport out.
1: D&D's a little different.
2: D&D's different. So part of the, the Pathfinder mechanics is I don't have to deal with that because the role play kind of takes care of that. The mm-hmm. players don't really deal with that because the, the mechanics of their characters allow them to just wipe it away. Right. Um, so I don't usually think about it. Same with encumbrance. Dude, you have a portable hole by this point. Who gives a fuck? If you're giving it to them. Well, the thing is is in Pathfinder, um, magic items, this is a high fantasy, really right. high fantasy. It's right. a superhero game. Okay. So you know, they usually have, by the time they're level seven or eight, they usually have like three bags of holding.
1: Yeah, see, that's the, yeah, that's the difference So you, you That's ha- the difference in play style even. Yeah, it is
2: it's also part of built into the Pathfinder mechanics. Yeah. d is very much lower level magic, so you have to think about those things. It, it, no, it honestly just depends on the style of play. Because no, there is the three different
1: like pillars, right? You can have super true. low fantasy, very sword and sorcery where there is one magic sword. There is mm-hmm. one gold ring. Right. Mid tier, where everything's, yeah, it's Game of Thrones anymore, right? A yeah. sword will light on fire and there's some magic and things are pretty, pretty cool. Then there's high fantasy where everyone's fucking teleporting and there's magic carpets right. and like dragons are fucking ripping through c- cities and all kinds of See, wild shit. So. In this
2: one, in, in the way we usually play it, uh, and this does drive these kinds of mechanics, these decisions, these homebrew rules, is this is almost like kind of like the DC universe. 90% of the time, you don't deal with Superman. You don't deal with Batman. You don't think about these things. Right. You're just shopping. You just need to get to. Sh- you just need to get to the grocery store, get your food, and get it to your kid because you've got insurance payments to make and so on and so forth. Right. You're not thinking about these things. You're just trying to survive on a day to day. But you have to remember, you're not playing those characters. No, in Pathfinder, you're li- you're playing Superman. So you're playing Batman. You're playing Wonder Woman.
1: The reason why I count arrows, rations, encumbrance, all of that stuff. Uh, rope can only hold so much weight and floorboards can only hold so much weight. And if yeah. someone stands on a table, uh, that table might collapse. And there's some narrative funny shit, but also, hey man, the bridge is rotten. You're gonna yeah. walk across a rotten bridge in plate armor. That happens. Right? Uh, you're like- gonna, you're too heavy. You know what I mean? The rations thing, the arrows thing, the nitty gritty, even spell components stuff is the, the, the loop to keep them playing to keep them going into the dungeons because eventually they're going to run out of gold. We had just for the quick example, Mm -hmm. not to even cut you off. We had one of our sessions in season two where the players weren't quite sure what to do. We hadn't introduced the main story arc. We still haven't introduced any of that. And at this point they went, well, we aren't going to work together. We can't decide what we should do next. And I go, great. So you all go your own separate ways. We split the fucking party. You're all still in the city. You're all still a narrative couple blocks away from each other, but a week is going to go by. And they go, okay, okay, a week will go by. And then we'll come back and we'll try to figure out what we're going to do and hash it up. And then we start the session and I go, great. Mark off a seven days worth of rations. And guess what? Everyone's fucking broke. And now they're like, we're out of food and I can't afford to stay in an inn and we need to pick up a side job. We need to do, maybe not go kill the, the dragon or save the king. Yeah. But we need to go do, go get the frying pan back. Yeah. Or go clear out the sewers to get yeah. paid. And that is the little sweet F- RPG. Yeah. Find the cat. That RPG of lower level, even mid tier level of D D, right? You yeah. want to go build a castle,
0: demon cat.
1: You want to go build a castle or in uh water deep dragon Heist, for example, a player says, Hey, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to pay you all this gold. And he, instead of paying you the gold, he gives you deeds to a house. But the house is in shambles, it's haunted, it's broken shit, the roof leaks and the floor floods. You then have to say, hey, we have a spot, we can open it and make money. Or we have like a home base, so now we don't have to carry all this shit around. And you can choose to dump your gold in this house. Because the adventure mm-hmm. takes place in the city. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, we're going to stay at an inn or a hotel every night, we have a headquarters now. Yep. We're a detective agency yeah where private like you can oh. you can shift just into different styles yeah, of play and also cool. that also falls back on reading the room and understanding what your players want and what they're going to interact with when you put it in front of them yeah. kind of thing but that's why those torches fucking especially if you're not playing with wizards or spellcasters all of a sudden you've got four barbarians and they don't have magic they're going to use torches yeah and the torch wildly enough you need to either use a shield or a torch and you're walking through the darkness, like there is some dark souls. You have all of
2: those, it. and I think that it inspires. Like the game mechanics inspires these changes. That's why they're there. Yeah, but they inspire the changes because in, in Pathfinder, like by the time you do you go through those motions from like one to four. But there's also a case of what happens is you learn to solve the problem, um, and you just solve that problem the same time every time. Sure, usually. And so my players will be like, "Hey, listen, I've done one to four ten times. Sure, because they've been around the block." They don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, they're done with that. Yeah. Um, now that's being said, there are some times where me as a DM, when you're one to when you're level one to four, and you're like, no, no, my guy, you're not in a near a small it's town with Fletcher's. Wonderful, wonderful, one to fun. Four, four is, is fun.
1: really fun if you're used to playing high level stuff. Yeah. Because now it's like, ooh, we got to rethink this. Yes, Hang but on. once
2: you're like level four in Pathfinder, by the time you're level four, mm-hmm. you're sitting there with a sword that's worth, if you were to calculate in our our money's term ten thousand dollars just in a sword by the time you're level seven which usually seven is a very key moment in in pathfinder by the time you're level seven you've probably got an entire house mortgage the cost of a house you're wearing the value of a house on you Mm -hmm. so it's like oh really you're broke to go to the like and then that's not even including the loose change you're you literally I, i think i've got we're i mean we're level 13 so we're only halfway through we do go to 20 we're just just over halfway and our party, not only am I sitting on like a country's worth of value just in my body, the party loot has double that. So it's rare it's rare in D D to go to
1: twenty. Most times the game kind of peters out around seven, eight, nine or ten. Okay. People don't like there is twenty. You can go to twenty, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. Yeah, you don't just yeah, and that it's a fine-tuned balance. Unless you're playing like a, a superhero game, like Adam's describing. Yeah, you don't normally say, "Hey, every two sessions you're gonna level up." Oh, bang, 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 okay. bang, bang. This okay. is like, yeah. hey, you're level three till depending on XP, depending on story quests or chapters. Yeah, right. Because you'd write depending on how you want to write or how you play through your book uh, within the written adventures. It's usually every chapter you get a level. Okay, but that chapter is gonna take three Four nights, uh,
2: five nights usually, yeah, sometimes, unless you're flying through it because now, of time. Normally, yeah, you're we do level every two sessions on average, um, but that's also because we play from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, you got a seven game. hour yeah. game, we got a seven hour game, so we do a lot in that seven hours, so you, right, you yeah. earn a lot of experience. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right, it's that we level up a lot quicker and we earn a lot more money. So at some point, by the time you're like level four, you're literally like Oh, do you want to spend the money to stay in motherfucker? I'll buy the in at every single town I go to.
1: Yeah. (laughs) See, depending on where they are in the map for us, there's no gold in the town. We're in a village. There's no gold. It's like silver Mm. because they're poor poverty line. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have to adjust. Okay. You have to kind of build out. Right. There's maybe the tax collector will come through with some gold coins. Yeah. But that's about it. Unless you're going to rob him, but he's hiring the bandits. Yeah, pressuring the te- you know what i mean interesting. like interesting so it, it's just that uh
2: that world building aspect of it oh. Yeah, and it's different based i feel like the the mechanics of the game almost inspire that yeah um and also the theme of the adventure itself absolutely absolutely hmm. alex give us another one
0: so let's let's go with the hard-hitting one because we're getting late here in the uh in in the session here in the in the, in the, in the town hall that we're doing here. <laughs> so do you think the dm can win
1: yeah, I think we talked about that in a weird sort of way. I think yeah. after, for me... I thought this was going to be more divisive. No, man. I think for me, for me, it's when the players are talking about the game after. Okay. It's when the players are talking about that cool moment their character did. Okay. That situation where they fucking feel like a rock so star. So
0: that's more fulfilling than saying, oh my God, actually yeah, absolutely. managing to kill off all the players.
1: Granted, for me, personally, I will say there has been times where I will be in the D&D room... And I'm sitting there on the computer, and I'm I, the session has ended, and Amanda will come in after, and I'll just kind of, like, real cockily ask me, like, hey, honey, how was D&D? Did anything exciting happen tonight? Because, like, some shit went down. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> oh, what, what new and exciting things happened? Like, what's up? Kind of thing. Was that fun? Was that not great? Um, but usually the telltale is when everyone, like, the next day, or when she's just like, hey, my phone won't stop blowing up yes because Uh, some fucking shit went down and uh, everyone isn't like they're the wheels are turning and we don't play for another two weeks that's awesome awesome. i
2: think the divisive part of that question is there's the argument of in at least in combat or in competition the dm plays the villain and the villain must always lose so the question is can the dm win well here's the deal i am not the villain I am not the ref, the character. I'm a, I am i do not want to say I'm a referee. I'm a world builder. I'm, I'm the reaction. I'm the world pushing back. Mm -hmm. I am not the villain. I am the world. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. You're in that world. If my players, my win is my players winning. Mm -hmm. I don't care about my villain. My villain's a meat puppet to provide them a challenge so that they feel, so that they feel, uh, rewarded. So they feel, They felt they reached a challenge. They breached a level that said, look what I didn't think I could do and look what I can do. Um, That to me, if they win, I win. Hmm. So it's not, I don't need my villain to win. I need my players to win for me to win. And I don't mean that in a sense of like win. Oh, they win the combat. I need them to feel accomplished.
0: Do you feel a sense of competition when you're in combat as a DM?
2: Um, No, it's not competition. Um, there's a bit of it, but it's, I almost feel like a computer writing, writing code. Um, my job is to provide proper balance okay. where in a really tough fight, I want my players to be nail biting and then at the end go, fuck yeah. I don't want them to feel like we won because our dice were good. That is not a good feeling to any player. Oh, I want them to I come mean, out of that. You
1: roll a fucking 20 a couple times. Oh, that, that feels good. That yeah. That's the difference. If you're rolling and your dice are on fire that night. It, it does feels good. feel good. But right.
2: I, I don't think that's usually what people... Usually, a lot of my players, when that happens, they don't feel like they won. They feel like they won through luck. And that doesn't reward them. What my players like, because we're very combat-oriented, is... And I don't necessarily mean combat-oriented. I mean, we're challenge-oriented. So whether that's a role-play challenge or mm-hmm. a problem that needs solving, when they go, we as a party came up with a solution to this problem and it worked out i'm i'm the dm so my job is to provide them accurate and reasonable competition sure um they they don't go we want you know they they kind of feel like we we'll, maybe they feel like they want up to the dm but to me as the player i'm more as the dm i'm more interested in i built the world i'm built these characters in here who thought of reasonable solutions to hey these adventures could do this my players went out of their way, worked on a solution that I didn't think about or that the characters in the world didn't think about because, you know, you kind of merge the two. Mm. And they surprised me and they surprised the characters and they won through their own ingenuity. Mm. They usually feel good when they said, we figured that out. We found the solution to the problem that didn't seem obvious. Oh, yeah. See, That's cool. What
1: I'll echo on that is, especially with your villains and stuff, I found even for an open world, like loosely based game that I run, it's um, plans, not plots. So the villains have plans. Yes. Hmm. It's not the plot of the story is this. Yeah. It is the villains are planning you. to do... The the villains are planning to rob the bank. Yeah. Right? It's going to happen at some point. It's not, well, the, the bank gets robbed next. You have to do this. Yes. Kind of thing. And that's, that's just even to bounce stuff off of what you're putting in front of them. I feel... To echo and agree with you on that, yes, I do not necessarily feel competition with my players at all. I do like when they figure stuff out. What like a real satisfying thing though is, is when there is something like a loose story thread that I have placed in front of them at some point where they forget about something and something comes back to bite them in the ass Yeah. or there's a story twist or naturally it just sort of somehow without pushing them or giving them the illusion of choice Yeah the players themselves do the thing Mm, like they, for an example, like I can give the players went in looking for answers in a dungeon. Okay. They fought a huge mechanical dragon. Okay. It was awesome. What they unknowingly did though, was turn all the gears and solve the puzzle to let the big bad guy out of the box. And they killed the boss monster was the thing to keep the bad guy in the box. Gotcha. And they fought the boss monster and let the bad guy out and then shit hit the fan.
0: Uh. <laughs> they lost.
1: They had their empire strikes back moment. Yeah. yeah. They had to evacuate with their higher level spells. Like yep. You plane shifted the fuck out of there. And then they went, oh no, we fucked up. Yeah. And I didn't let the bad guy out of the box. I love how they you did it. I love how you're playing this like God of the Old Testament. Like, that's,
0: that's that's incredible.
2: <laughs> do you know what I mean, but is, Like you're free, good, but you're is, wandering in a desert is that for the, 40 years. The villain has you. the plan. The DM has the plot. Yeah. And the idea is, in my mind, you do this. That's great because you're right. You have that. Yeah. Um, they did it naturally. I they did it. They it made up. the choice. We're going here. Okay, cool. Um, but at the end, you must always come back and provide them the closure. Of dealing with their problems. Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. That must always happen. Um, but
1: sometimes you don't, and you get loose ends, and that's oh, how we're in season two. Loose that's ends where are stuff, great. That's where stuff will show up in season three. Uh, like, that's where stuff where I'm just... I have had so many loose ends and loose threads that I can't talk about right now because my player... and My, yes. my player <laughs> is this episode. But there is just shit in the wild yes. that now those old characters, we've jumped 10 years later in the future, and now completely different new players and completely different new characters are having to deal with the consequences because like, hey, this is a, like the world almost ended. What does that look like going forward? Session one, we had a vet throw a fucking pint glass across the wall and start screaming at one of the adventurers saying, you don't know what it was like. I was there that day. I was there when the towers fell and it sucked the air out of the room because yeah. they were referencing events from a different campaign with completely yeah. different characters. And some of the characters are like, hey man, easy, we get it. You fought in the war. We respect yeah. you, and some of them are like "fuck you, old timer." Sit down, <laughs> and then there's a divide, and then it's like you can kind of know the, these characters that come that have written their backstories with a little bit of history, or they're they were from there, or their town was attacked, yeah, and they were young, and some that just don't give a fuck, yeah, and there's edge, and there's a little bit of grit to it. But
0: that tension is pretty real because yeah, people, oh yeah, yeah, there'd be people on both sides of that. Oh yeah, and even in the real world, right? right. So yeah. Interesting, very interesting. So I guess then, uh, yeah. So can you guys think of anything to add to kind of top up on any of that? Because uh, I think I think there's a couple questions here that don't seem as serious or maybe directly related to DMing. But
2: no, I, I think the only thing I, I want to close with, and part of this discussion was like you and I haven't played. We've played a little, that one session, but we haven't really played together very. Played, often. played, yeah. Played, played in a while. And I part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation was because, like you mentioned, I kind of brought you into this world. He's going to propose. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Here it is. He's going to propose. Um, Here it is. It's no, really I fun. very much enjoy that how this game can, you know, you play you play d I play Pathfinder, yeah. but how this, the ideology of tabletop RPGs can branch off to, not vastly different, but different styles of playing can do so much. And it's one of those, like, father figure things you're like he's grown up so much oh my god (laughs) it's it's nice to see that the game can do that yeah um and it's nice to see when people take that on and and move forward with it well that's
1: lovely that's awesome adam you're all teary-eyed you're making me all teary-eyed you big sweet boy what i'll ask you then uh realistically then how long do you prep what's your prep time That's an interesting question what's your prep time look like and then i want to ask you one more and i will hold that so what's your prep time look like because mine is fucking days. Yours God. is crazy. Days, um, days of prep.
2: Depends on how how, how it's a, it's a tough to calculate. Okay. Because um, it, it, there are so many. Like I'll be sitting at work. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. So am I, I'm thinking yeah. about the story plot. Yeah. I'm listening to
1: I'm listening to like background ambient music and yeah. stuff like that. I'm listening yeah. to like ocean sounds and thunderstorms. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm stuff shaving
2: at work. my uh, I'm shaving my head in the shower and I'm doing character voices yeah. and practice. Yeah. so like it's hard to it's hard to quantify. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you have all these little micro moments mm-hmm. throughout the time. But how much do I sit there and spend? Because I remember, I play based on a book. Yeah. How much time do I sit there and spend reading the book and prepping and looking at stat blocks and stuff like that to get the combat right? Um. It depends. Uh, if it's a normal... I'll call it a normal day. You know, every... N- most common days. It's probably three hours. Not a whole lot. That's all I've right. I've gotten pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, but if it's a pivotal RP moment that I think is going to be pivotal, or I know I want to get something done, or something a little outside the book, or it's a boss monster session... Boss monster doesn't necessarily mean, like, boss combat. could mean mm-hmm. boss role play. Yeah, yeah. Um, boss challenge, I guess I should call it. Yeah. Um, it'll probably go up to like eight if i really want to go crazy wow
1: and then it's over like the course of the week or whatever you'd play yeah absolutely or
2: or we'd play every two weeks yeah so it's over the course of two weeks that's you know looking up monsters and taking the base monster finding out their their drive what else could they be doing you know based on what the characters have done recently because usually they're fucking with the system right what would they do how would they change this okay now also go into the combat how what balances what Mm -hmm. things could like i said i always mess with the bosses i always add something yeah how can i add it how can i add it so that it's role play to that character it's not just something i mechanically added Mm. those times i spend doing that right uh, that adds up to about i'd say eight hours in in, for a very serious day but four hours otherwise and then random micro thoughts throughout the week wow
1: so i'll do micro thoughts i'll like listen to music and stuff i rarely pick up any like manuals or anything like that um i i will go in blind
2: you're a wild man.
1: I will go and Good blind. Lord, I bet I said psychopath earlier. you're I joking me, but now blind. I'm very good. Well, yeah, days and he'll be like, like, Do you
3: want to see my notes? And it's literally like a blank paper. Oh my god. <laughs> you're crazy.
2: You're we, crazy. We've
1: done we've done games where it's like back to back two days in a row or whatever, and it's like Life got busy, I have no time. I better run fucking eight hours of D and D. Well,
2: okay, I grant you're <laughs> You're a brave hero it's for doing that. A, no,
1: it's fucking exhausting. It's a lot of work and that's why <laughs> normally when I'm done I'm like, "Well, that was the end of the night. I'm going to die because it's <laughs> characters on the fly and I'm lucky to pull up. Like I've got a one note with my bare bones and my tools and my crutches kind of thing yeah, yeah. where it is like some smells and like I'll show you in a second. Like there's a, a, a great image of uh, this is a good example of why I believe a reincarnation, like, by the way. This stuff here. <laughs> right? He was definitely a man in a previous life doing like all of these campaigns. I'll uh, have this stuff here loaded up so I know like how to describe how a person. By the is way, sounding. I need you
2: to send me these these hair colors because I hate I am very bad as a DM describing random things that come up. I love this.
0: Oh my god.
1: So this shit. So like I've got little like maps of so, Honestly, yeah. grade school writing stuff. Yeah,
0: so right now we're looking at the image, and the image is just, it's it's the every landscape feature map. So it What has, is like, a
1: messiah? What is an oasis? What is a dune? The cliffs, difference between coast, strait, A channel, a fjord. A lake or yeah, a bay. Yeah. Like, little shit like but, that.
0: But, but, but what is an what is a, a iceberg?
1: Couldn't fucking tell you. Okay, well, Couldn't thank tell goodness you. we have that picture. <laughs> but So there is those crutches that I've set up, and that took about an hour of just kind of pulling and stuff. Cobalt Press has a lot of great information for yeah that but it's rare for me to really and i fucking feel terrible as a dm because i'm like players you got to do your homework i need everything done ready to go and i'm looking at a blank piece of paper <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> oh boy! Oh, oh let's go God. for it how long we playing tonight okay great uh what's happening and then like that's the difference too though where the west march style because my players come and say oh, hey we were gonna do this we're gonna go investigate the sewers and i'm like great you find an entrance to the sewers, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, I'm fucking pulling, and I'm looking for maps to pull. Wow. Right. And it's- it's You're good. All wild, man. It's it's great. It's exhausting. It's really thinking on the feet for improv and stuff, but it is rare
2: for me to prep assessment. So usually rare. I end up prepping in the grand scheme, because again, I read books, so it's easier for me. to. I don't have to create the world. I just have to understand it. Oh, yeah. And usually what I do is I'll read the books, and I'll build a, a mental map of- really what's going on behind the background because a lot of these books are here's the front end and here's a little bit of back end and I'll usually have to build a little bit more um, and then at the table oh yeah I'm improv oh like, yeah you're, you're
1: probably like a motherfucker at the table
2: yeah there's a great uh, line that I there's two lines that I really love to follow um, one is no uh, no plan survives first contact with the enemy yep. Song Tzu the art of war uh, second of all is a general I forget his name but he's a civil war general Tao. in the US no this Robert
1: is- E.T. Robert E. Lee Robert
2: E.T. Probably not. I rub that E.T. Uh,
0: Ulysses S. Grant.
2: Uh, no, he said, planning is necessary. Plans are useless. Yeah. So the act of planning and, and understanding the world you're doing is useful, but understand because of the art of war, your plan will fall, fall apart. apart. Yeah. But if you did that planning session, you can quickly make new plans on yeah. the fly. And that is a part of... Um, Improv. Yeah. You can quickly improv what you need. So I spend a session mostly learning about the world that I, because I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not creating my own world. I have to follow something that's there. So I'll learn what's there. Mentally expand upon it through those micro thoughts throughout the the week. And then when the time comes, yeah, you could bet your ass I'm improv Yeah. But I'm improv with an understanding of this villain is doing this. So I'm improv This isn't what he said he's going to do in the book. I'm improving something else. This is
1: what's got to get done today. Yeah. It's how we get there. It doesn't matter as long as the plane lands. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah, a good way of doing cool. It. That's cool. That's um, cool. Okay. What's something that you have learned DMing and in like a generic way? I will say personally, uh, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Session zero is important. Understanding uh, you're not a therapist. Yeah. And you can't fix everybody. In a weird sort of manner and also setting up the boundaries of what like... Do, what do you mean by you can't fix everybody? You can have sometimes people who come to the table and really unpack some trauma. You can have some... There are some role-playing games. Vampire the Masquerade is a good, good example where uh, it is a lot of fun and sexy stuff. And yeah. some people are not into that. There yeah. is uh, ways people associate... You build a character and sometimes even that character, even if you don't try, is a little bit of you. You're the brave guy. You're the strong guy. You're the guy with a full head of hair. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, you don't necessarily put yourself at a piece to get pulled apart, but there are sometimes aspects people come to the table with. And this could also be a complete mirror of we're playing a little bit more of a role play heavier game or um, not necessarily combat, but just this different styles of play. where in a broader generic standing. You're the DM. You're running a game. You're not the therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. In a, and I not to get hyper-specific, but yeah. there is sometimes where you will run across and someone will be like, all right, cool, I'm going to fucking unpack uh, why my dad drank a lot and hit me. Damn. And it's like, my God, you're a cleric. And that's why he <laughs> found religion. Oh. And you're like, Wah! And it's like, it's... Some people show up to the table and pack real huh. heavy shit. And yeah. sometimes D&D works really well as a therapeutic tool. It is not therapy. Okay. It is a therapeutic tool. Helps people... Yeah, Talk maybe, maybe in front right of people setting. better. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot uh, helps with speech therapy improvisation, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh problem solving. There's a lot of incredible skills in even why D and D or T, but TTRPGs show up in like classrooms and stuff for little kids. Yeah. But it is not a fix all. Yeah. And you're playing with either strangers who aren't ready or agreed to handle or take on that trauma or aren't trained professionals to fix that. Yeah. That kind of thing. And that. that's something I've learned as a DM is boundaries. Yeah. Cause I love it. I want to have fun. We're all hanging out. And we personally play a fucked up, hardcore um, grim, dark world, but it's fun and it smiles and it's silly. And like I said, we have racism and fucking Nazi religious Nazis and crazy nonsense, but it's a game. Yeah. Mm. It's a game for children. Mm. And I think that that's a weird thing. And even, yeah, it's, it's,
2: it mm. is interesting. Um, Obviously I think throughout the nearly two decades probably i think probably two decades at this point that i've been doing this um it's probably i've learned a a metric fuck ton of stuff like just an incredible amount but i'm not going to go into the little microcosm yeah don't yeah yeah,
1: and not don't name anybody or thing yeah right i think that i was the problem player so anyway
2: (laughs) you were at one i was i still am um no i think i think we sorted that one out um Long, boring story is, I think, the two major skills that I've learned from it that value me now at this current moment. One is, um, I guess you can call it almost like project management skills. Okay. So this is something you could put on a resume if you were bold enough. Um, you, uh, not necessarily as a DM, sometimes it's the players, but usually it's the DM because the DM usually gets gets slumped with this. You have to make sure you have to schedule your Saturdays or your, your sessions. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, what day do you have off? Let's get that going. Hey, you, because not everyone always has the same schedule. You're
1: juggling people. You're
2: juggling people. You're juggling people's jobs and their lives and you're scheduling this. So you're almost like a manager of people's schedules to get everything aligned. And you have to convince them and be like, no, no, you're coming because you have to realize if you don't show up, you're upsetting the three other players who have taken their time off. And like you mentioned before, you get a sitter, get a or sitter, canceled, something, right? canceled yeah. something. Like, you know what I mean? So you need to show up and you, they need to understand that. I usually describe it when I'm describing it to new players to get the understanding. I call it a pickup hockey game. Yeah. And in Canada that has value because it's hockey in Canada. So I usually say it's like a pickup hockey game or a pickup football game or whatever it is you like to do in, in your local area. And the reason I say that is except instead of you have 14 players, you got four, maybe five. So you make up a larger percentage of that. Uh if one player in a 14-player hockey team goes away, you're probably gonna be fine
1: in this beer league. You can play with three, you can play it's easier with four.
2: Yeah, it's easier with four. So you can do it, but you need the fourth. And the part of the is it's a beer league, because it really doesn't matter. It is just a game, but at the same time, if you don't, if you consistently don't show up and, and show intent, You're going to upset the other players. It's not the game. It's people's time. It's people's time. Exactly. So that managing of people's time and making sure people understand you need to show up. You can't keep flaking. You can't, you know what I mean? That's important. And that kind of management has been important. The other one is like I was talking about with rewarding people. You can't treat everyone the same. You learn that the intricacies of an individual and you learn to reward them in the way that's valuable to them. One player, I've got a, I've got a table where I've got one player who loves to role play. He's really deep. He brings up stories every time we come to the team, the the game after two weeks. He's got some side thing he wants his character to do. Oh, that's super every fun. single time. Hmm. I've got another player who shows up, smokes some weed, and rolls some dice. Yeah, he doesn't really think about. It. He doesn't really communicate in game. He doesn't play front ba- front characters. He just chillaxes. That's what he wants out of this. Mm-hmm. And but he's right there next to the guy who's super role playing. Yeah. Um, I've got another guy who's just min-maxing the absolute fuck out of the game. Because he's got the power fantasy. Because he's got the power fantasy. Nice. And they're all at the table, table together. And it's my job to balance them and reward them in their own separate ways so that they feel fulfilled at the table. You can't always give them all everything all at once. You can't do that. But you have to each challenge them individually. So you have to treat each person individually, but also as a group.
1: We also, let me interrupt you just for a second. Yeah, I'm done. We have Good. other groups like that where we have the mid-maxer. We've got the role player. We've got a couple role players that'll play off of each other. We've got some that are main character energy. Mm -hmm. And we also have some that you didn't mention that you have had played with before where they just fucking sit and take it in. Yeah. They want to role play. They talk a big game, man. I want to do critical role I'm balls to the wall, all of this and this and that. And it's fantastic. And they just sit and they watch. Yeah. And they're quiet and they'll talk and they'll role play a little bit, but they're watching what's happening. And in conversation uh, to kind of say, Hey man, you having a good time? Like what's going on? everyone processes stuff differently same thing with like fantasy or uh, imagination improv comedy the the visual of what's happening in the scene that you're painting sometimes people just want to play that movie out in their head yeah i've had guys that are sitting there going wow this is happening like that thing the arrow shoots through the skull and it hits the guy across the room and they don't know what to do because they're just blown away and they're taking it in and it's a lovely compliment and it doesn't mean they're not having fun because they're quiet at the table yes we've also had people who do the same thing when they're quiet and then like the next time we get together or outside of the game they're like oh my god that was amazing this is this and this one i want this nine things to happen and this is what i'm going to say because they they're not great on their feet yes But they've been thinking about it the entire week so that at at the table they might not necessarily be engaging the same way but outside of it, when they've actually had time to process everything, mm. they're like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do, and these are my goals, and this is what I wanted to say, because they just couldn't think fast enough mm. yeah. to have that epiphany. Mm. So and they still come with that energy. It's just not at the table. yeah,
2: And that's part of the thing is that's what I'm talking. That, that's that's okay. a really yeah, that's great okay. example. Yeah. You need to learn the different, inter- you learn this is a skill. This is a management skill yeah. that I use at work where I learn what, uh, what people enjoy and how they interact. I've had people come to me with, uh, you know, at work, they, they can't talk to me face to face about a solution they prefer texting
1: yeah they write it down
2: they're just as smart as everyone else but they just communicate differently and those types of skills and those types of people understanding has been extremely valuable in my personal life so Mm -hmm. that's that's a strong lesson I learned from this game exactly as you're describing that's a great example that's awesome man that's That's awesome awesome.
0: I guess you know my final question a very serious question uh, from what I gather is at what point does grave robbing become archaeology ask the British (laughs) (laughs)
2: as soon as the religion that was tied to that burial is no longer (laughs) commonplace or existent, yeah ask the British
1: (laughs) fucking Indiana Jones is the thief (laughs) (laughs) it belongs in a museum no absolutely not (laughs) Alex yes would you ever DM have you played i
0: I've, I've played a little bit uh, most recently i would have played with you like years ago but, okay um but yeah I, I would probably not dm i would love to npc i would love to play a character in one yeah. of your guys' campaigns or something like i do that i do the, the stever when
1: uh monster study kind of guy i, I could, love I could it i pull love that it off for an entire <laughs> see session. that's I a fun character i have got a ranger over here if he's gonna ever play i yeah. can
0: do that i could pull it off i could pull off the exit yeah. for an entire like eight hour span so
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i think everybody could do it i think everyone should do it at some point but obviously if it's not your comfort zone or it's just not for you I that's okay if i had the
0: time i'd be playing right now
1: yeah i think I, I think that's mainly what the thing was for us was when we started playing other games like board games and shit it was like why aren't we playing D? yeah like this is great but we could just be doing this in D. yeah kind of yeah. thing and
0: getting something out of it yeah in a way
1: but yeah cool
0: i wouldn't do it though Oh, so that, I, I, guys! Incredible conversation. So, I, I think in terms of coming up with like the all-in primer for a, what a DM is, what a GM is, I think we pretty much nailed it down today uh, in, in what about a two-hour span here. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully, people who are interested in learning a bit more about it listened to it and gathered something from it. Uh, I would love to know what people thought of it. So, if you have something else you'd like to add or something we missed, please make sure to comment on this post on Twitter. You can find it at find us at Roaning Geekery on Twitter, and you can also find Rob at RB No. Rich, where do we find you?
1: <laughs> the last time I'm on this fucking show. You think, yeah, I hope you enjoy Die Hard, motherfucker. This, uh, you will not be back. It's on,
0: at, at Geek Movie House.
1: Uh, yeah, Rich is at Geek Movie House.
0: Yes, and uh, uh, you're
1: at... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Don't tell me, don't tell
0: me, don't tell me. Uh, Amanda's on there on Twitter, at Nintendo Geek.
3: Yes, and I, I made a post. I made a joke the other day. I'm getting better. Yes! What is that
1: joke? Let us... uh
3: The joke was that I can't wait uh, for the new Warhammer show because my favorite part's going to be watching all the uh, unpainted armies and live action. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Warhammer.
0: <laughs> I'll <I'm like, laughs> retweet no, it. That's brutal. good. That's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you very much for moderating, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you can find everything else at Raised by Spoilers where we do a fun little movie show with uh, the other half of the crew here. Adam. I've got, got nothing to wrap up.
2: No, you've mentioned RBS or you've mentioned RBS. You've mentioned, well, we've mentioned all the things we did. I, I, I'm not a part of anything else. All right. So. Thank you
0: so much for listening. Have a great week and we'll see, We'll talk to you next week.
1: Cheers, everybody.